This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to one of the greatest epics ever produced. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Okay, look, you know how you're always talking about how you can simulate all that stuff on your computer? You know? What's the difference? Why can't we simulate a girl? I don't know. I, I guess I could, but why? It's two-dimensional on the screen. It's, it's not flesh and blood, Gary. Well, I know that, but, you know, we can, we can use it. Why? We can ask it questions. We can, we can put it in real-life sexual situations and see how it reacts. You're like, we're sick to manage shit. You'd love it. Well, what about your girl in, um, Canada? She was in Canada. This girl's no morals. You know, I don't, I don't like that on a girl. I, it's rough having those kind of relationships, you'll see. <clears throat> anyway, get to work. Hey, everybody, what's going on? As you can tell from the clip you just heard, we are going to talk about the, the classic, the iconic 1985 Weird Science, the John Hughes classic. And I can't do it all by myself. I have to bring along my buddy, R.J. McCready. What is going on, my brother? Hey, Rick. How you doing, buddy? I'm really super excited for this episode. It's probably one of my favorite movies from the 80s. And to do this episode, I can't do it without having a bra on my head for me. Commodore 64 and a Barbie doll plugged into it. You got to have the dolls around it. Yeah, we've got to get we, we got, we got to get it all. There's all a problem. Ready, There's it? a problem if you forget the doll. So we'll talk about yeah, that exactly. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, what's been going on? Anything particular? Um, yeah, I think I've got to mention the last episode. I went to go and see Shazam the other oh, day. Yeah. Before we get into this movie, what'd you think? Um, I thought it. I really enjoyed it, and I actually thought it was like a Joe Dante movie. Yep. Of today, where there was um, there was obviously a lot of um, Easter eggs in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think somebody mentioned it on the Facebook page about the was it the big the piano yeah in the um, uh, sort of toy shop or something like that. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, awesome. I also I also picked up on. I know it sounds a bit strange. There's there's a little bit of an American werewolf in London vibe about it as well, where the main character, I thought he looked like the uh, was it da- is it David Kessler character uh, David Norton David Norton right. yeah looked like him, plus it was the whole sort of put someone trying to work out what's going wrong with them sure. instead of like him turning into a werewolf. I thought yeah. it was like. He's a superhero and he's trying to work out what the powers are. Wow, man. Without, that's, that's... without going into it too much with a spoiler. Um, but yeah, 
I really enjoyed it. How about yourself? I think, did you say you watched yep. it? Yeah, I saw it. As a matter of fact, we just watched it again last night as well. And, oh, just, uh, all right. Yeah, I just, I, I find it really, really fun. Um, DC, I think, finally got one right where, you know, throw away the trying to be serious and greater than you really are. You're making a superhero movie, and I think this is finally where they got it right. And uh, it's fun. And it's it's funny that you said the thing about big, because I remember yeah. when I was taking my wife to go see it, I told her, I said, think of the movie big, but instead of him turning into a grown-up, he turns into a super, superhero. And then lo and yeah. behold, in the movie, there's the whole piano, you know, in the floor on the on the, the toy uh, toy store floor there, and it's like, oh, okay, that's exactly what they were aiming for. So, yeah, I was just, uh, I was just waiting for some gremlins to turn up as well somewhere <laughs> along the line. <laughs> it does have a very Dante feel about it. It really yeah, does. But yeah, but I, I did feel afterwards, really enjoyed it. it felt like I stepped out of the cinema back in 1989, around about that time. Yep. I thought it, it worked. Yep. Um, and whilst we're on the subject, I understand you went to Texas. Oh, yeah. Was it that way? That has happened since we last like, talked. Yeah. Yeah. How did uh, that go? Fantastic, man. Um, yeah. We stayed a little longer than normal, so it's it's a three day event. It starts on Friday, ends on Sunday, and usually by Sunday right. it is cleared out. But what they did is they started having some panels, you know, from from some of the celebrities there to stay and do like Q and A kind of sessions and stuff. And so they've really beefed it up to where you don't want to leave on Sunday till it's all said and done. Right. And normally, yeah. Sunday morning, we are packed up and we're heading back. But we stayed till I think it was 6 o'clock in the afternoon because Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, and um. Ted Raimi were going to do a Q&A together. And <laughs> I, can't, I, I, mean, I can't believe how great it was. It's the best q and I've ever been through in my life. It was fantastic. And uh, I put a little clip of it out there on... Uh, I think it's on Facebook, wasn't it? Yeah, it's on Facebook, and uh, they wouldn't let us record. I mean, they told everybody to turn their machines off and stuff. You know, when it got to the point of them starting to actually talk, but those three together, man, it's so entertaining. And they just talked about growing up together and and how they became friends, and you know, yeah, of course, yeah. It's it's amazing that as successful as they have been, they are still that same kind of buddies to each other. You know. Yeah, well, I think it's probably like you say, it's because they've, they've got the building block yeah. from the past. Yep. You know, with, uh, I mean, it was like guerrilla filmmaking for them, wasn't it? With um, sure. the Evil Dead. And yeah, it must have been amazing having all three of those in the same room. I mean, I, <laughs> I love the Evil Dead. I love Bruce Campbell. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's certainly on the ticket box to meet Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I know. You, I think you've met him a couple of times now, haven't you? I yeah, know you had a and, photograph we, and we got our picture made with Sam Raimi this year. So that was uh, that yeah. was Danny, you know, Danny Bennett from Hell Ming. That's his his big go to. So that was uh, that was kind of fun to, to fulfill that one together. And uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I could imagine. I mean, Bruce Campbell. I mean, like so I know we <laughs> sort of segue on on here, but he's. I'd imagine Bruce Campbell. What you see in person is kind of what he is like. On screen. Oh man, he is. He is, he is Elvis. I mean, <laughs> when yeah, he, when he right, walks yeah. through, he's in his suits and he's got his bodyguards and he's all like, "Hey, you know." And he does the, even the kind of Elvis kind of gestures to you with his hand. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so pompous. Him. It's great, you know. <laughs> and, uh, that's why I loved him in um, Bubba Hotep. Right, exactly. It, it, it was like, oh my god, that's just a role made for Bruce Campbell. <laughs> that I can see anybody else do it. <laughs> uh, and on the downside uh, of something, I mean, the place was right. ram packed over the weekend. Ram packed. Yeah. They're going to have to find another location. It's just gotten way too big. But uh, 
we went to see Meatloaf, which is another big reason I went to go. Yeah. And uh, I don't know uh-huh. if you saw it in the news or not, but he fell off the stage. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I remember you you sent me a yeah. private message on that, and I I felt a bit bad because oh, it uh, was bad. <laughs> for, you know, you know, you know, you're talking about um, the last episode about British, human, American, right. I, I laughed at that straight away. Sure. I thought, oh my God, that's really funny. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Because it's, it's kind of like candid camera, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, sure. And then afterwards, I thought, actually, that's that's quite bad because I know you. Because didn't he break his collarbone? He or broke something? his collarbone. And, and you got to remember, dude's, dude's 71 years He's old. He's 70 years old. And yeah. he just had like back surgery and stuff. But, anyways, he got up on the stage. And right. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his performances or not, but he is a fireball. He really mm-hmm. gets people pumped up. So he got up on the stage. He was yelling at everybody, getting everybody pumped yeah. up, and says, All oh, you people in the back, come on down here. There's empty seats. I mean, just really. You know, bringing it, and he just uh-huh. started walking across the stage and and lost his footing. From my understanding, there was a little piece of the stage that was missing back there, and it was hidden by the oh, curtain. Right. And he oh. just kind of stepped on it, lost his balance, and just fell through the back through the curtains. And 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 on hind, in hindsight, I mean, it, it was scary at the time because yes, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. Man. But uh, in hindsight, it's pretty comical because you mm. could hear him back there, and he pulled an evil Knievel on us now. I don't know how much you ever watched Evil Knievel, but his big thing is when he had the Rex, that's when he wanted to talk to everybody. <laughs> right. Okay. So you can hear Meatloaf back there laying on the ground saying, get me a microphone, get me a microphone. And it's oh, it's a thing dear. of, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm hurt pretty bad back here. And uh, <laughs> yeah. just wanted to say, uh, appreciate you guys coming out and love you all, but... Uh, you know, my foot's turn around backwards, and you know, yeah. I want to get some people back here. You know, it's that kind of thing. You know, he does. Well, I've seen. I, you know, obviously, see, uh, he's he's done a bit of acting in the past as oh, well, hasn't yeah. he? He's been on films. Um, he was in a film called Fifty First State with Samuel Jackson. He's- it was. Um, it was like a British movie. It's like a take on the Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrel movies ah. that come out at that time. So it was like a, a sort of tie over the American British humour. Yeah. But it worked really well. And he, re- he was really funny in it. He was like a, a gangster. But the scenes with him in it was, there was actually a scene where he actually goes through a roof. <laughs> he's, yeah. trying, he's, he's been done over with a drug deal. And someone's someone's he, busted him. He's and, been in several films. Uh, he's, he's in Fight Club. I mean, he's in the. Uh, is he in Fight Club? Is he yeah. in that as well? Is he? Yeah, yeah that's it. I, and I think he was in a film with Patrick Swayze. Some 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 movie. I remember where they're like driving trucks or something. Yeah, there's a I, there was one where he's the bad guy and, and he's driving. Right. What was that? that? Yeah, that's it. I just uh, yeah. I just thought, my God, I'm it's, me, it's meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Tim Curry was there, and he's oh, right, okay. he, he's had a stroke. So he was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Oh, no, that's sad. And that was pretty sad to see. But yeah, I have to say, yeah. my main reason of going was Lee Majors, the $6 million man. You're and kidding me. He was there. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. And looked fantastic, man. And uh, Wow. So that was a big one for me, man, because he was my first hero as a kid. Before Spider-Man, Superman, any of that stuff, it was $6 million. Yeah, yeah man. sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had all the toys, you know, all the dolls, all that stuff. I was into it. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember Lee Majors from um, yeah Six Million Dollar Man and um, Fall wasn't guy. it Fall Guy? Yeah. Fall Guy, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the old time cowboy or something like that. Wasn't it the song? And then he's <laughs> yep. he's, he's in he's in the bubble bath and he. <laughs> 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 Yeah, classic stuff, man. So absolute classic. Yeah. All right. Well, you um, wanna? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, no, just one more thing I was going to say. You yep. saw Ash's car as well, didn't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Post some pages. It was the car from, from uh, Ash versus Evil Dead, yeah. And, uh, wow. It's, it's the old Delta 88. It's got the, the, the bulldozer blade on the front and all that stuff. And uh, they just had it out where you can kind of see it. And there was another yeah. car inside. I didn't know if I was allowed to take a picture or not, but it was like the, the straight-up Delta 88, like from the first Evil Dead or whatever. I don't know if it's the original or not, but it was there, so... Oh, okay. Is that, isn't that the car that does all the cameos in the Sam Raimi yeah. movies? Yeah. Like Spider-Man, it yeah. turns up somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah. So. And I don't know if you've wow. ever listened to the uh, the commentary that's on the, the first Evil Dead, but Bruce Campbell, they have <laughs> they have commentaries that kind of go against each other because you got Sam Raimi doing one and Bruce doing one. Right. And Sam's like, and there's the car right there. That car right there is such a classic. And you listen to Bruce, and Bruce's like, now, I know Sam's <laughs> probably going to tell you this car's a classic, but it's a piece of junk, you know? <laughs> So they got different opinions about the car. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh man, but yeah, sounds like Bruce Campbell would say. But we're not here to talk about Texas Frightmare or Bruce Campbell at the moment. We're going to talk about weird science. Actually, we're going to talk about 1985. So what we're going to do right now, folks, is we're going to take you back and talk about what was on the old Tilly back in the day. So here we go. Uh, What's on the TV? TV guide. Read the TV guide. You don't need a TV. All right, RJ, what you got? Okay, so uh, I've got um, from the TV guide, uh, Hitman Hits Miami. An assassin has landed in Miami with eight on his list, seven down and Crockett to go. You can, <laughs> you can imagine why this is it's Miami yeah. Vice. Yeah, of course. A new hit series on at 10.30. It's on quite late, 10.35 p.m. That is kind of late. Let's all be there, it says. <laughs> so, yeah, Miami Vice. <laughs> that again, the marriage of of MTV visuals with a TV show. That was that show right there is the culmination of all that. Yeah, I think it was Don Johnson. He's the he's the man from the eighties that still makes me want to roll up my sleeves even today. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of me around eighty five or so, and and it was Easter morning, and the suit I had on was definitely a a Miami Vice Don Johnson looking outfit. So the well, white yeah. pants and all, you know. <laughs> it winds it winds um, Becky up every time we go to a wedding, and we get to that part where you can take your tie off, and she goes. Please don't roll your sleeves up. <laughs> and I was going, well, yeah, it's like Don Johnson. <laughs> Wines are up knowing. Right. Um, the next one we've got is uh, Mark Singer in V. And oh. it says, resist or perish. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. I think, that for, I think for me, this is almost like the, the, the TV show that sort of set it off. Yeah. For sort of like a mini sort of series on TV. I don't know. I'm sure there was other TV shows like that at the time, but this is the one I seem to remember. It was um, huge. Being quite huge, yeah, yeah, at the time. Well, you had, you know, good visual effects of the time. You know, you look at yep. them now and you're like, eh. But back then, this was this was big deal. And it's the show that I remember going to school the next day and everybody was talking about what happened in that episode, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember all the um, the merchandise coming out as well. Yep. There was like um, annuals that came out. I think there might have been a sticker book. Certainly toys and models and things like that. Yeah. Um, and also, not to forget, you had um, Freddy Krueger in there as well. Didn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he turned up. Um, and the next one I've got this is a this is an animated adventure. This is the Ewoks. So it's a <laughs> Star Wars spin-off. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Do you, remember, did you have the Ewoks? Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, 
But I was also going to shout that out. I put it on Facebook the other day, and a few people mentioned about it. It was the Ewok films that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Caravan of Courage and Battle of Endor? Yeah, we had a couple of them, which, yeah. Yeah, which kind of... I think they're a little bit underrated. I haven't watched them in a long time, but... Um, I remember Wilfred Brimley turning up in <laughs> Battle of Endor from the scene. <laughs> well, I mean, oh. anything's going to be better than the holiday special that came out, so, you know. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. How... How mean. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, the thing about the Ewoks, and, and this is a problem I had. By, by the time we got to Return <clears throat> of the Jedi, which all this stuff is kind of a spin-off from that. Yeah. It's almost like, I don't know, it, it, it's, Star Wars had gotten so huge that it became more kitty. You know, it's like it was all puppets and, and Ewoks. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I like the more gritty, you know, episode four, you know. A new Hope and, yep. and Empire. And it just, I don't know, man. I kind of lost interest. Matter of fact, I didn't see uh, Revenge, uh, Return of the Jedi until many, many, many years later because I just didn't want to. I thought it was a puppet show. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me a long time to come around and actually start watching those. And I'm like, eh, you know, yeah, I. Probably should have so, seen them back in the day, you know. Well, you were saying you was almost expecting Kermit the Frog to turn up in the Millennium Falcon. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, and you almost did. I mean... <laughs> yeah, well, that's it, yeah. So. Oh, Lucas, um, what were you thinking? Yeah, I, think, I know what you mean. Um, that's what I liked about um, <clears throat> Rogue One. Sure. When they came out, I felt like they were, they were sort of... T- it was almost like all the people from Moss Eisley getting their time to be in a Star Wars movie. You've got totally to see all agree. those characters, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, no, brilliant. Um, and I've also got um, I've got an advert, Rick. It's, no. it's a Casio watch again. It's a Casio watch, mate. I can't <laughs> help it. You know what I mean? I've got, I, was, I, was, I was thinking, do I, do, do I put a Casio watch advert in here again? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> all right. I'm going to get this one out of the way, right? It's basically, it's... Um, it's a picture of someone putting their hand into like a goldfish bowl. So you've got like a fish next to the watch. And so it's, they're obviously trying to say that it's waterproof. And they've got a tagline saying, we make digital watches you don't have to watch out for. Um, <laughs> Casio, where miracles never cease. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to shout Dan Bone out on that because that sounds like a Dan Bone um, yeah. tagline from exactly. Hornet Deal. That's the sort of pun that he'd come up with. So <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Dan, you know what I mean. Oh man, grab <laughs> it yourself, Rick. What you got? Let's, uh, let's see if I if I know any of these TV shows right. you're going to mention. Yeah. So, uh, in, in this week, so I always <clears> go back and try to find specifically what's going on at the time. But on this week in 1985 on ABC at eight o'clock at night, we had Webster. You remember Webster? Um, no, I don't. Okay, I don't think I do. Wait, you remember? You, you had. Uh, you remember different strokes. You remember that? What you oh, talking about, Willis? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I well, ABC I I decided they wanted to try their own twist on it, and they found this little guy named Emmanuel Lewis. So think of like, you know, the the character that Gary Coleman played in in Different Strokes, but smaller yeah. and even cuter. Right. Okay. And yeah. Webster was adopted, kind of the same kind of story, adopted by some white people, and you know, shenanigans, you know, happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, was that popular out in America, was it? Oh, yeah, Before it was a big show. It was on yeah. for several years. And, and uh, Chrissy had some kind of, you know, uh, problem with him where he didn't grow very big. Kind of the same deal Gary Coleman had. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's a cute little guy. Uh, 
So following that, we had another show that's, well, this is more of an actual spinoff from another show. From The original show was called Soap. I don't know if you ever heard of it or not, but it had kind of an all-star cast. Billy Crystal came from there. That's one of his first all things. Right. And it was making fun of soap operas, you know, how all that stuff works. And they had right. a spinoff of a show called Benson. It was it was pretty popular, too. So Yeah, because I, I remember you had, like you said, Billy Crystal. I know a lot of, a lot of actors started off on TV, didn't they, before right. they went into movies? Yeah. yeah. So. But uh, Benson was a big show. It was just a... Kind of a, you didn't really expect it to turn that direction, but, uh, you know, it, it just kind of ran and became its own thing. And then we got another one here I've never even heard of myself, because it only lasted six episodes. So apparently, uh, when you look, when we go through all these, you're going to see that apparently this was the time to just try a whole bunch of new shows and see if they work. But this first one's called Me and Mom. <laughs> it lasted for six episodes. And it's, Did uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone make a film of that? Is that stop on my mammal shoot? <laughs> you know what? It's not far off because the, the, the synopsis basically says a mother meddles in her daughter's private investigation business. That was an investigation TV show, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's like a comedy investigation thing. And mm. like I said, it only lasted six episodes. And it had James Earl oh, really? Jones was in it, too. So Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So a I wasn't expecting you to say James Earl Jones, is it? Yeah, me either. <laughs> 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 what did he? What did he accidentally step on set or something from somewhere else? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't even the star of this. He was just another oh, character not. that's in it. So I mean, right? Okay. I don't even know who the people were that were the main people because it was like they took a chance on some people, I guess. But, Man, so that's, that's, that's the eight, that's the eight, that's the eighties for you. Right. <laughs> Cocaine is a powerful drug. <laughs> <laughs> Over on CBS, you want to talk about cocaine? Here we are at CBS on eight o'clock at night. It just says Bugs Bunny. <laughs> no explanation if it was a special. It was just Bugs Bunny is all it says. Is that is that followed followed by the Care Bears? Is it? Actually, it's followed by Dallas. That's what blows my mind. Oh right, okay, right. Because every kid wants to watch Dallas right after they watch Bugs Bunny. Right, yeah, yeah. It's all warm that warm warm up after watching Bugs Bunny. Yeah. It must have been well, some kind sense. of special because right after Dallas was Falcon Crest, and those two were tied into each other, so right. that kind of made sense, you know. But yeah, the Bugs Bunny thing just really threw me. And on NBC, mm-hmm. I've got uh, a show at eight o'clock. It was called The Best Times. Never even heard of it. Best uh, times. Not, not a movie. Know, it was a series. And it says, this series is about a first-year teacher at a Southern California high school. Uh, a group of stend- students attending the school are, and the typical situations they face. So there you go. It's a school-time drama. And apparently it didn't last very long either. Okay. I've never heard of it. Even when I saw the picture of the show, I was like, nope, I have no idea. So if anybody out there is a fan of this show and you have some, you know, information on it, hey, share it with us over on the on the Facebook page. Do look sure, like the yeah. 80s. Uh, following <laughs> that is a show that I barely remember, and it was mm. called Half Nelson. Um, sort of rings a bell. I've heard, I've heard of that. Well, I of course, think. to me, yeah. Half Nelson is a movie used in wrestling, but still. <laughs> it's about... That might be uh, it. It says Rocky Nelson is a former New York cop who's trying to make it as an actor in Hollywood. However, like most actors wannabes, he's still looking for his big break and his lack of stature, and it just kind of stops there. But it had Dick what? Butkus in it. Dick Butkus and Bubba Smith. And when I heard what? Dick Butkus, okay, okay, I remember him being in this kind of role, but I don't remember anything else about the show. 
And that came on right before da 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 Miami Vice. So I, it was on the oh. same lineup. So we definitely had that one. We also had um, Dallas. Dallas was big over here. I, I would imagine. So, yeah, who shot yeah, Jr. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, this is it. Um, <laughs> yeah, was it was it Bobby turning up in the shower or something like that? Wasn't it? Yeah, the sort yeah. of famous shower scene. Yeah, Patrick Duffy. It, so. Yeah. Everybody was talking about it. So <laughs> yeah. But everything else, Rick, I can't. I don't know all the other ones though. <laughs> Uh, well, guess what? I only knew a couple of them myself. So. Yeah, no, I was really shocked I when I saw these because I'm like, I don't. I mean, I was an avid TV watcher in '85. Yeah. Ch- chances are, I was just on MTV though. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about some movies, man. What you got? Okay, uh, movies. I've got here. I've got. You talked about Tim Curry. Uh, Clue. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think everybody. I don't know anybody who doesn't like that film. Great movie. It's a great movie. Um, then we got Fletch with uh, Chevy Chase. Classic. Um, Sp- Spies Like Us. Absolutely one of my favorite comedies. I, I absolutely yeah. love Spies Like Us. We need to cover that one on this show. I think we do. Yeah, that's um, it's one I haven't seen for a long time, but I, I do remember it. Oh, you know, man. It's, it's a good film. Chevy Chase just me- kills in that movie, man. <laughs> yeah. He was big in that time, wasn't he? <laughs> um, then we got Jewel of the Nile. Jewel of the Nile. Okay. That one? Yeah, Jewel of the Nile. Yeah, with um, uh, Michael Douglas. Sure. Uh, Life Force. Ah, the infamous Life Force. It, you yeah. know, there's a real love hate kind of thing with that movie. There's a lot of people that just absolutely hate it, and the other ones are just like eat up with it. Yeah, it gets um, it gets spoken about quite a bit on Facebook, doesn't it? On the Legion. Yep. Um, on the Legion Network. Well, and um, the thing we're leaving out about it of why it's the kind of movie it is. Hello, it's canon. Yeah, you know what? I didn't. I actually didn't realise it was canon until we done our canon episode the other day. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, great film. Really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. It's a it's a film that passed me by. I didn't watch it until later on. Um, two or a few years ago, actually. Man, I just um, remember the first time I saw it, and I was just, of course, you know, when you're 15 and this naked chick's walking around the whole time, you're like, hey. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, the effects in it are pretty dang awesome. Well, yeah, this is it. And it kind of, it it reminds me of, it, it's in the, I mentioned this already once on the on the episode, it's in the realms of American Werewolf in London, where it's set in London. It's got the same. Yeah. Some people might knock me for this, but you see, it's got the same sort of vibe to it. So you could almost do like a uh, a double bill sure. for this film, I would say. Yeah, that um, works. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's a good film. Um, then, of course, we've got Rambo 2. Oh, yeah. Can't have the 80s without Rambo. And then we've got a Terry Gillingham film, which really, really freaked me out. <laughs> and it's it's Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> you see, yeah? I mean, Brazil is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd... I was talking to this must have been about eight years ago. I was talking to someone at work, and they mentioned Brazil, and they said, "Neil, have you not watched this film?" And I was like, "Oh, God, oh, <laughs> giving away my identity there." Um, have you not watched this film? I was like, "No, I haven't." It said, "Neil, go and check it out." And I watched it, and I thought, "Wow, it's incredibly creepy." I yeah. thought it was almost like a night. It's almost like a nightmare. Yeah, um, very and even, ter- even when I watched the extras, Terry Gindham said. Um, I don't even know myself what it is. <laughs> what is what it's about, yeah. Someone said, what's this film about? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Just put it together. Yeah, you can't so. really describe it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, how about yourself, Rick? What you got? What's on All your right. mind up? 
So I went specifically for the month of May here, and uh, we start off with Cold of Silence. You know that one? Cold, cold, no, I don't cold know that one. What's Chuck that? Norris. Oh, cold of silence. Oh, cold of silence. Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then uh, we we've got a movie that we covered on Hell Mean called Gotcha. Right, okay. Which is the spy um, espionage film where it's a young teenage guy that gets involved in all of it, but really he has nothing to do with it, and it's it's a really good 80s movie. Right, okay. Uh, it's I got need to, Anthony Edwards is in it. Oh, okay, yeah. I think I remember, yeah, obviously I do remember you guys covering that one. Yeah, yeah that was it. So. That's a good one to revisit because it really holds yeah. up. It's really good. And Anthony Edwards, isn't that, um, is that Goose from Top yep. Gun? Is that yep. same? Yeah, that's it, yeah. And uh, you got uh, Jim Cotta, which we talked about on Short Bus Cinema. <laughs> God, <did you? laughs> uh, Jim Cotta, folks, is one of a kind. It's where you combine uh, gymnastics with ninjutsu or it's a, karate. It's a ninja or, film, isn't it? Yeah. It's totally a ninja film, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just an excuse to combine the two. It is terrible, but totally entertaining at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, man. We got some uh, typical sex rom-com movies, uh, Private Resort, which uh, wasn't a huge movie, but it's one of those that a lot of people go back and enjoy watching now. Uh, I think I think there's a young Johnny Depp in that one. All right. Uh, we got uh, Pumping Iron 2. Hang <laughs> on a second. They made a sequel to Pumping Iron. Yes. I didn't even know they made number two to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the women, though. It's the women that, that oh, are... Oh, right. Okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, you know, Pumping Iron is what made Arnold get noticed like Absolutely, he did. Absolutely, yeah. And they made a part two where they focused on ladies that were weightlifting, so... Right. Okay. And next we got an iconic film, I guess you'd say that. But uh, on May 10th of 1985 came out a movie called Rappin', which is Mario Van Peoples trying to rap to save his neighborhood. <laughs> Is that a canon movie or not? Is it? it should be, but it's not. <laughs> Mario Van Peebles. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, that poor guy, man. The roles that he gets put into, you know. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, and we got uh, Brewster's Millions. I don't know if you remember that movie or not. Yes, I do. Yeah, I remember that. That was almost one I was going to put down, actually. So, Richard yeah, Pryor. Yeah. And John, John Candy's in that, isn't yeah. he? He's... <laughs> That's a fun one. He, doesn't it, isn't John Candy part of the porn industry or something? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. I, think that's right. yeah. I haven't seen that in a long yeah. time. It's a long time since I've seen that, but yeah, it's another great '80s movie. And I'll wrap it up with a James Bond flick. A view to the kill. A view to a kill came out, man. Oh right, okay. Got a bit of Grace Jones again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good movie. Yeah, that came out on May twenty fourth and did really, really well. It's a matter of fact, the big money maker as far as the list of movies that came out in this month. So. Uh, big movie, big movie. Yeah, Christopher Walken is the bad guy. Oh, yeah. It's How can you go wrong? Icon- iconic, iconic um, James Bond movie, that. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's move into some music, man. Right, okay. Do you want me to start this off? Yeah. Um, okay, so we've got um, Strawberry Switchblades since yesterday. I'm not familiar with that one at all, man. Oh, you're not? Uh-uh. Oh, right. I think it's just a one-hit wonder yeah. um, in the UK. 
So I seem to remember them being on uh, Saturday morning TV. My, my sister had, the, um, had, had their album, I think. Uh, but I thought I'd give them a shout out. Yeah, it makes sense. Though. I mean, when, you, when, when I heard the song, I was like, man, this is like super poppy. Sounds like a you know teeny bopper kind of thing. So that makes sense. But over here, I, you know, we, we didn't have that, I don't think. So. Okay. Yeah. I may be and wrong. The next... But. No, no, no. There you go, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are sort of digging up the eighties here, aren't we? Little things right. that we kind of forget. Uh, next one, uh, we've gone from strawberry to banana rama. Well, yeah. Uh, no, no. Hey, hey, kiss him. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm not a big fan of that song, but I like Bananarama. I always have, always will. Uh, such a unique thing that they did. Yeah, they couldn't really do a thing wrong, could they, yeah. at that time? I mean, three um, three and, girls singing in unison. I mean, there's no harmony singing. It's just it's just three girls singing the same part together, and for some reason it just works. Yeah, well, they originally um, formed from the Sex Pistols. Sex what? Pistols got them got them on board, yeah. Hold on, That's I didn't know came. any of this. <laughs> Did you not? No. no they they um, they were in a flat, or they sort of shared a flat with the Sex Pistols, and they were trying to sort of get on board in the music industry. Um, and then they were originally going to be that sort of um, oh, words just gone out of my head now. But those, they were going to be formed like a sort of female version of the Sex Pistols. Really? That sort of punk, punk sort of ethic band. Wow. But then they, they decided to go into the, uh, they thought the pop industry would be better, and it was. So that's where they come from. You just so blown a little bit my trigger mind, there. RG. Oh, okay, there you go, Rick. <laughs> wow. Yeah, check it out. I mean, I, we never so, did yeah, any research. We just heard their songs in, you know, Karate Kid and stuff. It's like, man, that's cool. Yeah, man. that's right. I mean, that's it. They, they could have been a whole different, they could have gone down the punk route. Wow, amazing. Uh, you know, Blond- Blondie was kind of the same thing. You know, Blondie did exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah. But uh, for marketing purposes, I think it worked really well oh, for them. Yeah. It did. You know, I mean, all, all the classic songs. So there you go. That's their, uh, yeah, that's their building block. Awesome. Yeah. So there you go, Rick. Cool. <laughs> um, next one. Um, I've got a thing with fruit here with this lot. This uh, Raspberry Beret <laughs> of Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, it's Prince, man. What can you say? You know, Prince is right. He's one of those artists that can pass you by for maybe a couple of years, and then you pick up his album, you put it on, you go, you, you forget how much good stuff that he's brought out. Oh yeah, and you just have a fun time listening to his music. So, um, yeah, fantastic artist, and like I say, God bless him. You know, I think he passed away too too quickly. Yeah, without us, a so. doubt. And not to forget, like you said, I think you mentioned it in the last episode, how much write, how much music he wrote for other artists. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he wrote the soundtrack for How the Duck, so, which you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to give him credit I for would, that. I would push a Hail Ming button right there, but I don't think it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I guess oh, we, when we're not telling the truth, we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good old Twinkie. <laughs> But um, next song is uh, it's quite an unusual song. But I've given this, given Sheena Easton a shout out here with uh, Sugar Wolves. Yeah. 
So, can you tell who wrote this? I wonder. <laughs> I mean, you just got through saying how much stuff Prince wrote and stuff, and there you go. There's another example. He wrote that. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, like, sorry, I could hear Prince do that song. Well, you know, um, it's probably like, hey, you know, I can't go around singing a song saying, you know, my sugar walls. That's that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of the song I listened to the other day. I was actually going to post it on um, um, Dude Looks Like the 80s, but I, I can't remember what song it is now, but. It's a music video where he's not really wearing much as he's playing the uh, guitar. It's probably the Kiss but, video. No, it's not the Kiss one. Huh. But I'll, I'll come back to that one. We always get, we always did that. We've had this before, we were trying to think of. <laughs> <laughs> we have a little stumbling block in the show. But I always want to say, I also want to say too, since we're talking about Sheena Easton, Sheena Easton. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, didn't she do a James Bond song? Yeah, for your eyes only. That's kind of where for her, your eyes only. That her was big it. Yeah, breakthrough. That was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. So, and then um, we got Hall and Oates out of touch. Oh yeah. Another band that really couldn't do any wrong at this time, man. It seemed like every time, not, no. every time you turn around, there was a new song they had coming out. So I was I was really into them up until they started doing the the all the R and B stuff. You know, started to redoing all the Motown stuff, and I just kind of yeah. lost it there. Yeah, no, I, I I love this song, and again, like I said before, it's, it's a bit of a driving song for me. Sure, in the morning, it's yeah. one of those types of songs you put it on. It's early in the morning, and it just sort of wakes you up. So. Um, and then we've got, um, he doesn't get much of a mention either, Julian Lennon. Too yeah. late for goodbyes. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I, you know, it, you were coming right off the, the, the heels of, you know, his father passing and stuff, and just a few years later, you're getting <laughs> this other voice that sounds. Just like him, you know. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I, I, I didn't pick up on this song until the 90s. Huh. Um, I bought a, one of those sort of best best hits of the 80s albums. Yep. And I, I didn't even know Ju- I didn't even know Julian Lennon, his son, even brought out a song. I listened yep. to it. I thought, oh, yeah, I, I heard the song before. Yeah, there was this. And uh, it, it's a good song. It was this, and there was another song off the same album called Velot that was really good. Right. And... Uh, but my favorite came a few years later. It's a song called Saltwater. And it's right. an amazing song. So uh, he's the dude's got chops, man. I, I don't think he's really pursued it since. But, uh, man, some, some good songs in there. Yeah, like you say, sounds just like his dad, doesn't he? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He just sounds just like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's spooky. Pretty dang close. But, um, yeah, that's my list there, Rick. So um, what about what you got? All right, so I did uh, the top ten of May, of uh, this week in May in 1985, and it starts off with a song we're both very familiar with. That would be the theme song from Beverly Hills Cop, which is Axel Elf. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I love it. There's <laughs> a banana in your tailpipe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's just that's one of those that's just it's so ingrained in your head. I mean... Oh. I love Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. It's a oh, we, we need to cover that. Hey, film. 
I'm game. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at number nine, we had uh, Tears for Fears with Everybody Wants to Rule the World. So. You know, I'm not the biggest fan, but still, I mean, they they made some some big iconic songs at this time. Matter of fact, last night on American Idol, you had Weezer on there, and they were actually playing this song. It's like, wow, this song just doesn't go away. And did they did they do it justice? Did they do it? Yeah, yeah, I guess it was okay. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Weezer. Weezer no, does no. their own thing, you know. But uh, I love that. It's a good song. You can't yeah. deny that song. It's great. Speaking of another song that never goes away, it's the infamous We Are The World. Oh, yeah. That was number eight on the charts, the U.S. charts. And then at number seven, we had some debarge with, uh, of course, Rhythm of the Night. And this next one, I'm sure we both are probably fans of, but the Power Station, man. Robert Palmer. They had the Taylor Brothers from Duran Duran. Killer band with Some Like It Hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. That's just a typical sort of mid '80s song, isn't it? That <laughs> it's, it's great, it, but it was just so different. I mean, uh, it, yeah, it, it, was the, it was the fact of you know, hey, here's the Duran Duran guys trying to be more straight, straight up rockers, you know, and uh, of course you get Robert Palmer. I mean, come on, you know, the 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 great front guy in his suits, you know, <laughs> and just just Absolutely. rocking it out, man. They did a great version but, of Bang the Bank of Gong too, man. It's great. Put those two together, and that's what you get. It's right. great. And uh, next, we had some shot A with a smooth operator. Oh yeah. Such an unlikely artist to be on the pop charts. I mean, but she mm. really did well. I mean, it, <laughs> very popular. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's got that. Um, she's got that. Still got that eighty signature. That song, doesn't she? Listen right. to all the other songs we've got on this. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, next, we have uh, another group that we're both probably very familiar with, but some Wham with everything she wants. Oh yeah. Yeah, they can't do anything wrong either. This time, could they? They just. Uh, again, man, we just forget. You go back and hear George Michael singing that stuff. You're like, man, this guy, this guy could sing. And uh, you know, when when they did the uh, the 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 big uh, send off for Freddie Mercury, you know, the big thing at Wembley, and yeah. uh, you know, he got up there and sang "Somebody to Love." I'm like, why in the world did they not just, you know, you know, I know they did the thing with Paul Rogers, but man, you talking about a perfect fit. I mean, because mm-hmm. I believe just about 
uh, you know, George Michael could sing just about everything Freddie could sing. So, and that was his favorite. That's his his main influence was Freddie Mercury. So, oh, was it really? Yeah, yeah, huge oh, right. Freddie fan. I read a thing yeah. where he talked about you know uh, that's that's what got him into music and not you know being a criminal. <laughs> Oh, was it really? Oh, my God. Fortunately, well, that, that story came out a little too late. <laughs> I think uh, Quentin Tarantino's got a similar story, and he said if he's not a film director, he'd probably be some bloody serial killer right. or something. But, yeah. <laughs> and to throw an oddball at you, we've got uh, One Night in Bangkok, which is Murray Head. <laughs> it's Here. with Donna Banging Cock. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty 80s. <laughs> you don't get any more 80s than that, do you? Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've never have watched... Have you seen the... Uh, was it... Nope. I've never, I was about to say, I've never watched Chess, which is what, what it came from, so... No, I was going to say, um, was it Mike Tyson sang it in um, <laughs> Hangover Part 2, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> have you seen that? Yeah, oh, end. that's, that's different. <laughs> It sounds, it sounds terrible, but it's so it's so hilarious at the same time. Uh, yeah, I, I do like that song. I put it on it from time to time. Sure. It's just yeah. It's it's. I, I actually say I, I I don't know any other songs like it. It definitely takes it, you it, back. You can't sort of compare it to anything else, really. Right. But, and it's yeah. from it's from a musical called Chess. It, it's it is from. It, a, oh, okay. It's a stage play, and I believe now. I have that's, to do that's research. I believe yeah. I believe it was put together by uh Bjorn from uh ABBA. Right. I may be wrong on that, but I believe he was the one that kinda of put the whole project together. So which okay. yeah, now, now you mention it, I could probably yeah. And probably I, hear that now. So. And I have no problem with Bjorn, man. I mean I mm. uh, I may be wrong on that. I know it was, I, I think right. he was involved. But uh I I'm I, truth be told I'm a big Abba fan. I really like him. I, you know, I I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you and I'll say I, I don't really know anybody who doesn't really like Abba. Yeah. I was having that conversation with Becky the other day when we was watching like the we, I'll be honest with you I watched the Mamma Mia films. Yeah. And all the songs are all iconic and yeah. They're good songs, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, well, well produced songs. So yeah. Yep. So yeah, don't tell anybody that I'm an ABBA fan. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm right here with you. Matter of fact, I'm, I've got an old style iPod that I keep in my car. That's just got all my back catalog because radio never plays anything I want to hear. So right. this thing, the battery stays dead on it, and me and my wife will be driving, Becky as yeah. well. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we'll be riding, and then this thing will just boot up on its own. And every time it boots up, it goes back to the very first song that's in the catalog, and it's always "Dancing Queen." So <laughs> any random time when we're driving, when nothing's going on, it can just pop on and start playing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is this your is this your blunicorn that you drive? It's is the it? blunicorn, yes. It's the yeah. blunicorn, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> your Rick Radio. Yeah, uh, quote there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's get back on subject here. Number two this week, right? Uh, was Madonna crazy for you? Yeah, good song. Yeah, and. 
one of her better songs, period. I mean, it, it's a great song. It's a great pop song. Yeah. Well, so again, I regularly listen to her um, Greatest Hits album. Sure. It's, it's, you have a good time with it. Yep. And number one, ironically, being that we're going to talk about a John Hughes film, he had another John Hughes film out that was pretty much the biggest thing going at this time, and it had the number one song from The Simple Minds. Yep. That's The Breakfast Club with uh, uh, Don't yeah. You Forget About Me. That's probably so. the eighty song, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd I agree with that. Actually, um, especially when you're talking about John Hughes. Yeah, uh, a lot of people can associate that song with the Breakfast Club, can't they? When they hear it, absolutely. And again, even now, when I talk about it, you know, to people, it's that marriage of of you know, it puts you in that time and place of, and also the MTV influence on movie making at the time, and you know. It, to me, the '80s really brought forward the teenage years you know, of what was going yeah. on at the time. It was, it was actually amplified, and you saw it everywhere. And I think that's what made the '80s so different. We just happened to be in that group, and it mm. was everywhere. I mean, you had TV stations that were devoted to what we liked. You had movies that were actually talking about, you know, teenage stuff for a change. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like I said, um, on a slight segue here, I mentioned it on before, I mentioned it all the time actually, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say enough how good the songs were in the 80s with films. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say, like you listen to that song there and you, you know you think of The Breakfast Club. Sure. And like you said, it's the sort of MTV vibe, wasn't it then? And it worked really well. Yep. Um, I mean, like I say, there's a film I watched... I think I private messaged you the other day about it. It's called Dead End Driving. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's an exploitation film. Yep. And, man, is that is that done on a budget? I mean, it's done. <laughs> it is done on a ridiculous budget. It's almost short bus cinema right. material, right? Um, but I, I really enjoyed it because the music in it was really good. Yep. Um, and... I like I say I watched it and then I downloaded the songs and I listened to the song for quite a long time, so I came away with it. Even though the film's done on a budget, the music was good and actually the story is quite good as well. Yeah. Um, but I won't go into that too much. But <laughs> yeah, songs in the eighties, man, it was just yeah. it just went incredibly well with films. And the, the band that I play in, we we actually play this the Simple Mind songs and and yeah, you can see the people out in the crowd just do the hey hey hey. I mean, everybody, it's just ingrained. You know, yeah. in your mind, you 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 just know these songs, and uh, it mm-hmm. takes you back, and that's the whole point. Well, yeah, I mean, even my um, my daughter Megan, she she is loving the eighties because I'm listening to it all the time, and yeah. she, even when she's at school and she does um, she does dancing at school, and some of the eighties songs come on, and she she goes to her and says, oh yeah, my dad's got that one in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's my girl. There you go. That's, that's right. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. <laughs> all yeah. right, well, what we're going to do now, we're going to take a little short break. You're going to hear some great commercials from back in the day, and we're going to jump right into this movie. You're going to hear the trailer for Weird Science, and we're going to take you all the way through there. Be back in just a minute, folks. Kodak introduces the extraordinary Kodomatic trim print instant color film. Unlike the ordinary instant print, the extraordinary trim print lets you lift off the image to capture the color just the way you like it. And now look how slim I am. 
I slip easily into places that the ordinary bulky instant doesn't fit. So you can keep me in style here in your album with your regular pictures. You can trim me. Watch it. And I'm so thin you can put me where you couldn't put an ordinary instant picture. You can show me off. You can do all kinds of things with me that you can't do with an ordinary instant picture. Here I am, with the new Kodomatic Trim Print Instant Color Film. Anyone can do extraordinary things. But he didn't tell you Trim Print is only for Kodomatic Instant Cameras. He didn't tell him it's only from Kodak. What? He didn't tell him it was only from Kodak. Extraordinary. Thank you. Trim Print, the extraordinary new Instant Color Film from Kodak. Read about tennis tots, political posters, and the miniseries Shogun, all in the new issue of TV Guide magazine. Get a little closer. closer. Now don't be shy. Closer. You can get, you can get a little closer, closer with Arid Extra Dry. Only Arid has a patent on this formula that fights wetness. No leading deodorant spray stops odor better. And now Arid has a new baby fresh scent. It smells, mmm. Get a little closer, closer with the baby fresh scent of Arid Extra Dry. Arid fights wetness and odor. Now in a new baby fresh scent. It's not a bad idea. What? Making a girl. Actually making a girl. This is Wyatt and Gary. I give her warm digits mammary glands. Something's about to change their world. Something out of this world. She's alive! Alive! What would you little maniacs like to do first? It's all in the name of science. Weird science. If you want to be a party animal, you have to learn to live in the jungle. Not us. Not here. No way. She is turning their lives. Trust me for once, will you? What is going on? Gary, I don't know. I don't know. Their minds. <laughs> and their house. Upside down. It's seriously affecting your sex life. <laughs> it's completely unnatural. Do you realize it's snowing in my room? Totally unbelievable. What's going on? And definitely weird. Hi, dudes. They went from zeros to heroes in one fantastic weekend. I'm so good. Universal Pictures presents a John Hughes film, Weird Science. It's purely sexual. All right, folks, welcome back. We're going to talk about, like we said, Weird Science, which came out August 2nd, 1985, and by the director, John Hughes. And between this one, I always do a toss-up here. Between this one and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, those are my favorite John Hughes films. Uh, What's your feelings on that? What, What do you think your favorite? Is RJ? Um, I know we're covering this movie, and it is. This is one of my favourite John Hughes movies. Yeah. Um, as I said at the beginning of the show, uh, I think it just covers everything. Yeah. It's got everything you want, and it's there's actually not. When you look at the story, um, there's not an awful lot to it. And I know that John Hughes wrote the story in the back of a napkin in two days. <laughs> He basically said, "Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. That's how it was, you know. And I think that's probably how it was in the eighties as a as a film director. It's kind of shall we make a movie? Yeah, and you know, you got like a simple plot, um, but it it works so well, you know. It's yep. it's, it's great, you know. Um, but also, like obviously, the Breakfast Club, 
iconic movie again, isn't it? Yeah. Um, fan- fantastic. Well, you got uh, everybody's attention at this point because you've already had The Breakfast Club and some of these other films. Then, So he's cranking out pretty much one a year at this point and just hitting it. And to me, this is the only one that's... It's it's still got the 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 undertones of of what he does in all of his movies, but this one's really different because this one's way more fun. <laughs> you know, it's not dealing yeah. with any of the serious stuff that some of the other movies are trying to talk about. This one's just uh, <laughs> being a young teenage boy and you know <laughs> wanting to live out well, those dreams. You know, the way I look at it, I, it it's almost like Mary Poppins on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like I like that. It's almost like, uh, should we bring that story into the eighties? And <laughs> you got a couple of guys that are kind of well, like social misfits. Which yep. I think when you when you are a kid growing up in that time, you can relate to these guys. And I think that was it again. Well, um, Revenge of the Nerds did it for your college age kids, you know, because it was that whole you know we're misunderstood, we don't fit in. This one kind of does it for your high school kids because these guys are not even old enough to drive, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, I'll be honest with you. This, the, the, you know, there's a part of White and Gary, which, which was me at school. Sure. Do you know what I mean? You're sort of trying to discover yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, things don't always work out as you want them to, um, and that's the story. That's the story a lot with these these types of movies, and I think that's why they work so well because right. so many people can relate to. So you got um, Anthony Michael Hall, Ian Mitchell Smith. As our two main characters, which both go on to play in other great iconic movies as well. Uh, of course, Kelly LeBrock. I mean, what can you say? Oh, well, uh, is our is our uh, <laughs> is that what Gary Hill said on the last episode? If your balls haven't dropped already, they will do now, won't they? <laughs> and then After also, this, this, movie. this is the first movie I, that I got introduced to Bill Paxton. I don't know about you, but. You know. um, no, well, actually, um, I didn't watch this film until later on in my teens, oh, believe it or not. Oh. Yeah, seriously, because I, um, I was very much into films like Die Hard sure. and Predator. Um, so this film, one of my friends at school watched it, and I actually thought I thought it was a, I thought it was a porn movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it, the, the setting thought, sounds like it. I mean, yeah, that's right. Yeah, honestly, I thought <laughs> I can't watch it because my mum and dad probably won't let me watch it. <laughs> they let me watch Die Hard and Predator, but not this film. Um, but it wasn't until my teens, um, a friend of mine, I don't know, I, I was around his house and he said, oh, Do you want to watch this film? And I was like, Yeah, put it on. And I loved it. And oh, to be yeah. honest with you, it was, a, it was a real treat in my teens to watch this film and then take me back to the 80s. <laughs> and, yeah, loved it. So I'd already seen Bill Paxton in Aliens before sure. this. Yeah. So, Which is almost um, kind of the same character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah, I'll give him that. So, yeah, it's almost like... Um, yeah, the school days of Hudson, isn't it? Before right. he went on to go and become a colonial marine. So, but yeah, man. I um, mean, Chet in this movie, though. I mean, you know, the dreaded older brother that's oh god, yeah, just full of full of himself and you know, super <laughs> macho guy. You know, uh, oh, we yeah. also get a very young Robert Downey Jr. in this. We get uh, a. Yeah. The incredible Vernon Wells and Michael Berryman. So I mean, we got some. <laughs> you got yeah. a, There's a lot of movie power, You've star power in this also movie. So got um, Robert Rustler. Robert Rustler, who yep. is, um, yeah, he was in a film called Vamp. Vamp, absolutely. Which is pretty much 
this movie, except with vampires, isn't it? It's like two two yeah. school guys trying yeah, you, to sort of work know, out you, a few yeah, issues. Yeah, you can almost run those back to back, and they kind of work. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he was he was really good in that. He's he's yeah. that sort of Robert Rustler. He when you watch this when I watched this last week, I thought he could actually have done a lot more in other eighties movies. You could have seen him in that sort of right uh, role. And uh, he's also in Nightmare on M Street Part Two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Um, several things. I mean, he he was he was one of those that was kind of kicking around quite a bit back then. Yeah, and I think one of the is it Deb and Hilly, the girlfriends. Yeah, one yeah. of them was in. Um, yeah, <laughs> one of them was in um, Return of the Living one Dead. One of the Jason movies. J- Jason movies. I think oh, so. might be Return of the Living Dead. But I know she was in Return yeah. of the Living Dead Part Two. This is our thing with this film. There is uh, a lot going on. Yep, you're discover- discovering of... a lot of young talent that that goes on to be in other movies that you kind of grew up watching, and that's kind of cool when you tie all that together. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of um, I suppose could you say sort of eighties Easter eggs in this movie oh, yeah. that you can see from other, but especially with um, like you said, Michael Berryman. Oh yeah, he is yeah. basically he is basically playing the Pluto character, isn't he? Yep. From Hills Have Eyes. Yep. Yeah, he's. Um, it's the as... only thing he was known for at the time. <laughs> <laughs> what can we say? <laughs> I mean, it was either that or the principal in the uh, you know smoking in the boys' room video for Motley Crue. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all that's he did. Right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I did see that as a bit of trivia on him. Yeah, that's right. Because so, he does actually say in the film, didn't he? Um, oh. Don't say anything because I still want my school teaching job right. or something later on in the movie, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe that's it. Um, uh, and then you got, like, say, Ver- Vernon Wells. Yeah, he's. I mean, again, he's the same. He's the same character from Mad Max, isn't he? Absolutely. You know, I think he even wears the same makeup, and it's, it's almost like he's jumped from one set to the other, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that's that thing of uh, what the magic of this movie is is because it's pulling from 80s elements she is a conglomeration of all these things which we'll talk about here in a minute but you mm. know so for him to come from mad max makes sense because they're pulling from even their time you know to to make these things happen so yeah i've never really noticed that before but it's almost like you say john hughes has kind of pulled these characters from films at that time into this movie sure like the bad bad guys, because mm-hmm. um, the guy on the motorbike with the metal plate on his face, I was thinking, were they trying to sort of hit on a bit of a Terminator? Sure, reference. It must sure. be, must Oh yeah. So yeah. It's, it's taking those influences of the time and saying, you know, here's here's what kids are influenced by. Here's what they're scared of. You know, and and let's t- let these guys take care of them. So, anyways, we'll get to that towards the end. That's the yeah, end of the we, movie, we, people. We kind, of, we kind of got to the final act. <laughs> That's it, folks. We're done, and we'll uh... anyway. So next time. <laughs> so let's we'll talk about it. Next. In case you haven't seen this movie, the synopsis for this is: two high school nerds use a computer program to literally cle- create the perfect woman, and she turns their lives upside down. So there you go. I mean that's pretty much it in a nutshell. You that know, is it. You're yeah. not going to deep get deep, warm, fuzzy feelings with this one. It's just, uh, it's it's a dude movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think John Hughes could fit any more plot onto that napkin when he was having dinner at the table. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie starts off. You got Gary and Wyatt, who's our our nerds that we're identifying with, and they're standing in this little doorway and they're watching the girls' gymnastics. And they're having this dream conversation of, you know, one of these days, 
you know, these two girls over here, they're going to want to hang out with us and come to our place, and we're going to go out on the dream date and all this stuff. And when they're talking about, you got Max and Ian, which is Russ and, and uh, Robert Downey Jr., like we were talking about. And they're, they're buddies. I kind of refer to them as jocks, but I don't know that they're necessarily jocks. They're just kind of the uh, the cool kids, you know. And they're standing behind Gary and Wyatt and hearing them talk about the, all the stuff they're talking about, and they're kind of laughing. So, you know, they end up taking Gary and Wyatt's shorts, gym shorts, and pulling them down and saying, Yo, check us out! <laughs> and all the girls turn and look, and they're just standing there in their underwear, you know, and, and you know, Max and Ian have ran off. <laughs> and there's and you just, can almost say Ian Smith or Wyatt and Gary as actors that you can see they're trying to stop laughing as well aren't they with this right. part as well we don't yeah. yeah and for a long time there's just no reaction everybody just stands still and just looks and then mm. Wyatt tries to speak up and he's going to like try to apologize and then Gary just puts his hand over his mouth <laughs> over his mouth and just leads <laughs> him off and then we get the the infamous theme song and yeah uh, which kind of goes a little like this Uh, RJ, you said you've never really knew who was in this band or any of that stuff? No. Wow. Not until I did uh, my research for the, the, this episode. I didn't realize it was Danny Elfman. Yeah. Elfman. Well, that's what blew no my mind. When, when he was doing like the, the big you know theme songs and stuff for movies, I'm like, why'd they pick this guy? He's from Oingo Boingo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a talent as well. Cause, um, you know, just the name one or two of his films he did was um, Batman. Right. From 19... Was it 19... Sure. Uh, Tim, Tim, um, mm-hmm. Tim Burton one, wasn't it? Right. Oh, but, yeah, uh, I'm like, wow. You know, the, the one that makes sense to me is the Pee-wee's Big Adventure because that music right. that's in that sounds like some Oingo Boingo stuff. Mm. So that makes sense to me. But, wow, he really branched out and started doing these other things. But, yeah, man, you got, you got uh, Danny Elfman in here. Uh, just a great band. I mean, he was the brain of it all. Mm. But these guys were playing. It's it's really complex stuff. I mean, it doesn't sound yeah. like it. But when you go back and listen to some other stuff and the time signatures they use for some of the songs, if you want to listen to some Oingo Boingo, go out and find Only a Lad. That's the name of the album. Man, <laughs> it's incredible. I will go and check that out. Absolutely. I mean, um, going back to the beginning of this film with that song, yeah. it, it just it, it really ignites this film, doesn't yeah. it, for me. When I watched it, and you see the bit, like, like you just mentioned, where they're in the gym, you know, pants go down, and then this song just goes boom. Yep. And I just thought, love it. You just, get the, the logo that says Weird Science and the electricity yeah, coming off of electricity, I mean, yeah. I just it's pretty much it's saying, great. this is the 80s right here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, like I so say, you can probably hear my voice on that sort of going, wow. What, yeah. what a great intro. What a great song. Absolutely. And you just can't wait to watch the rest of the film and go, right, where, where's this going? Right. <laughs> well, it goes straight to Wyatt's house, the next the next yeah. scene. And uh, Gary Gary's in his bathroom at Wyatt's house, and, he, and he's... Uh, Trying to shave? (laughs) (laughs) I was was trying to work out what he's doing. (laughs) It's like he's he's never really tried this before. He's just putting shaving cream on his face, and it's not going well. 
Uh, he basically just makes a big mess and then just tries to wash it off his face. And when he walks away, there's just a huge pile of shaving cream in the in the sink and just a mess. And uh, <laughs> I mean, he has very very little facial hair to begin with, so you know, I I get it. You know, it's that thing of hey, I'm a grown man, I can I can shave now, but I really don't know how. <laughs> yeah, I think it's almost like they're trying to say these guys are. Ch- obviously trying to experiment right. with with stuff and it's kind of trying to make that statement i guess that's the only thing i got out of that but yeah. <laughs> i guess uh, we all did that once in our lives <laughs> and while this is going on they're having this conversation you know the gary's having a conversation with wyatt wyatt's parents are away on vacation but his older hmm. brother chet which is bill paxton like we talked about earlier is, is the one that's kind of watching the house and even Gary pipes in of, oh man, I hate Chet, you know. So it's already you can tell that he's going to be the guy that nobody likes. And I do want to point out is when Gary comes back in the bedroom and, and steps over to the other bed, there's a Y and T poster. All my headbangers out there, all my '80s hard rockers. There's an, a Y and T poster on the wall of In Rock We Trust. Just had to point that out. <laughs> yeah, no, Rick, absolutely. I think. Um I'd noticed he was wearing a calculator watch, you know, with my watch thing, you know. Um, and I think if you do put that on pause and you look around the bedroom, you can see things from the 80s, oh, kind yeah. of posters and that. Uh, There's some bands, weren't there, on the posters and that on the walls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Y&T was up there was one of them. And that's, that's kind of a – you have to know the band, but when you see that logo, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's my boys. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. Most underrated '80s band, Y and T. Y and T, okay, absolutely. Uh, but they're sitting there chilling out, and the original Frankenstein's on, and it's in color, which is kind of a big deal. This is this is early on when Ted Turner started doing the colorizing of movies, so this was a new thing at the time to start seeing the old classics in color. And uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there because really, no, I was going to say, was it was it unusual to have a color TV? In the mid-80s as no, well? No, well, no, no. Color TV that. was the way to go, but, you know, right. it, it was just getting to the point that they were taking old black and white movies and making them color. Oh, right, changing them, okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's the like version they were early, early arrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and while they're watching Frankenstein, they're hearing the dialogue. That's where Gary gets the idea. Hey, it's not, mm. a, not a bad idea. What if we just built our own girl and she would do whatever we want her to do? And as creepy as that sounds... You know, they start, you know, it's like, man, there's no way with my little computer here and stuff. He's like, yeah, but we could simulate. We could ask it questions and we'd know more about what girls like. That way we will mm-hmm. be such nerds about everything. But uh, this is the great part is when they start doing all the girl dimension stuff, right? They got the wireframe up there and yeah. they're looking at breast size and all that stuff. You know, <laughs> typical teenage boy stuff. <laughs> And they're throwing bits of um, like pictures in, aren't they? And I did notice there's a there's a David Lee Roth going in. It's there, amazing, isn't there? yeah. All the stuff they put in, because they, they want to have these personal traits of all these things. So there's even mm. a picture of a catalog that they throw in there, and it actually is Kelly LeBrock. You know, so that's, that's where she right, gets yeah. the looks. They do a, like a big pair of lips. They do David Lee Roth because they wanted to be this kind of rock rock star, over the top kind of appearance. They give a picture of Einstein because they want her, you know, to be intelligent like Einstein and all that kind of crazy stuff, right? 
And uh, yeah, it's quite. Then you get the infamous bra ceremony, which you were kind of hinting to at the beginning. <laughs> the beginning, yeah, that's it. It's almost like an iconic scene from this film, isn't it? And, bra. And here's the question: mm. Where did they get those? <laughs> he must have gone for his mum's jaw. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> 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 uh, I think they're things you're not supposed to question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when they're doing this, then uh, the, that's when the big storm hits. They have a little Barbie doll that's laying there that's dressed kind of like this iconic person they want to have. Yeah. And they got these electric rods running to her and plugged up to her. And they're doing this little ceremony with the candles and all that stuff. And then a the big storm hits. And let's see. Well, I didn't even talk about him breaking into the military computer because his computer's not strong enough. They break into oh, that's right. Yeah, that was it. I was going to say, um, there's a little bit of reminding me of War Games. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because he's got the uh, what was that for real? That that telephone modem. <laughs> is oh, is that? I, they I, had I'm those. Not, I'm not. I'm not a tech sort of yeah. person. So did they have those? Were they real? Were they? Was well, that only used in eighties. Yeah, movies? I mean, you got to think landline. That's kind of how we got to where we are now, and right. I, and I believe early on military style. That's kind of what you <laughs> yeah. had. And I say there's a military guy isn't there? He's right. picking the phone up, and he go, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> and he's trying to break up the, you know, they're trying to break into the code so they get more power yeah. so they can pull this thing off it. But eventually they do, and a big storm's coming mm. up. They hit enter the computer, and then you got eighty styles chaos that's just going on, man. You got house appliances blowing up, and yeah. They show some scenes across town. There's a woman in her kitchen, and her dog is on the ceiling barking at her. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so they could just like Lionel Richie in there, couldn't they? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there is a scene where there's the 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 yeah the room is turning, you know, and uh, on the ceiling and stuff. But uh, then they're getting kind of scared, and Gary tries to break the computer, smash it with like a ball bat, and it just shatters the that's ball it, bat. Yeah, that's a pretty good scene, actually. I like yeah, that. yeah, good. I thought it was well done. Mm. Then he decides just to throw the computer outside, right? And he throws it outside, yeah. and the storm stops. And they're just <laughs> chilling out for a minute, freaking out over what just happened. Then they start looking at the bedroom door, and the door starts swelling. And, <laughs> and then the, it just busts open, right? Yeah. And, uh, oh, man. You get this nice fuchsia-colored light and some fog machines going on. Totally 80s, man. And then in walks Lisa. That's right. Kelly DeBrock has become the character that they've created. And uh, oh, yeah. so the first thing she says is... So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple of uh, 14, 15-year-old boys have this incredible Kelly LeBrock person standing there, barely clothed. So what's the first thing you want to do? That's right. Shower with her. <laughs> <laughs> You're damn right, you do. Yeah, oh, man. Whatever they, whatever they did, they made it work. <laughs> uh, but, so they're in the shower, and they're just kind of standing over in the corner, and she's showering off, right? And she's talking to them about how they created her. She came from you know this all this stuff they did, and then. Uh, She's like, guys, you're really going to have to loosen up if this is going to work. And she steps out of the shower, and they are still got their clothes on. They're just standing in the shower with the clothes on. Just in their pants on in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think what's, what's funny about this though is when I watch this, is, is that's probably something I would have done <laughs> when I was there, right? Exactly. Like that, I mean, that's I mean? that thing. You that's know? what's so good about this film. Do you know what I mean, it's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> it hits that mentality of being that young kid and and not knowing anything. Yeah, you know. They'll be going, "Oh, I finally got this beautiful woman, but I, I, I don't know what to do what now. Do? Yeah. So, don't know what to do. Yeah. So, uh, what do we do?" <laughs> and that's uh, that's kind of like the whole point of the movie from now on, isn't it? It's like they're trying to work sure. out what do we do with this woman. We got and, her. And that, so. That's really what this movie is about. It's about growing yeah. up, you know. But they have somebody yeah. that really shows them the way, you know. Mm. But even at the end, and we'll talk about that too. It's yeah. They had it all along. They just didn't know it. And it all even this kind of bleeds over into the next scene because they're going to get dressed up and go out on the town, and you see the way they're dressed up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. I've got that on my notes, sir. Is it the red sort of suit that he's got on or jacket? <laughs> it's like the red school jacket or something, yeah, you know. And uh, they've got their oh, hair slicked dude. back like it's 1950s style, you mm. know. And, and so they really have no idea socially how a kid their age is supposed to look. No. And uh, but when they walk out of the door, their clothes instantly change. You know, so you're finding out that Lisa has these powers. Pretty much anything she thinks she can make happen. Yeah, which, that's a great scene as well, isn't it? They just walk out, don't they? And all of a sudden, their yep. clothes just change, and it's got like the lightning uh-huh. over it, isn't it? It's, like Egg Shin <laughs> just you know shot him. That's, yeah, a bit like Egg Shin. <laughs> this is just the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Big trouble in weird science. <laughs> will you leave Jack out of this? <laughs> All right, I will. <laughs> All right. So we move from the scene of them getting their proper clothes, and next thing they know, they're riding in a big, long pink Cadillac convertible. Yeah, going down the road, and we kind of get this conversation where they're trying to give her a name. So did you steal this car? No, I didn't steal the car. How'd you get it? I can get anything I want. And right now, I want a party. Party? Yeah. And you better think up a name for me, too. What name do you want? You guys created me. Can you think of a name for me? How about Lisa? Why Lisa? Why not? He used to like a girl named Lisa. Oh, yeah? Old girlfriend? She kicked him in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Gary's starting to loosen up a bit by this point as well, isn't he? He's starting oh yeah. to just get into a little bit more now. Well, he's thinking, um, well, all I got to do is outdo this other guy. I mean, there's just the two of us, so hey. Yeah. <laughs> and there's um, a little bit of trivia. Lisa. There's a re- um, John Hughes as based on name on a Lisa Macintosh computer, apparently. So it's oh. a little bit of trivia. There you go. How about that? Yeah, there you go. It's a little bit of me being a tech geek, but there you go. <laughs> right. If, if so. only her name was Casio. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> but, uh, and then instantly it shows the back of the car and her and the license plate changes to, to read Lisa. So, Lisa, you know, yeah. again, she's got these abilities just to make anything kind of happen. So, mm-hmm. but they go, to, it's just ironic too that, you know, she wants to go out and party, but she picks this place. <laughs> It's called the candy the, bar. The candy bar, yeah, that's it. This and kind of reminded me a little bit of Adventures in Babysitting. Absolutely. When they go to the blues bar. It's exactly yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you can tell they are definitely out of place in this in this place. God, yeah. And uh, Gary's wanting to leave. 
and says, oh, you know, we don't need to be in here. We're not 21. And she gives them those fake IDs. <laughs> it's got like the mustaches on them and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Wyatt's scared. He goes to the bathroom and he's trying to find a place to hide. And he goes in the stall and there's a dude already in there. And <laughs> he goes oh, to sit down. Right, yeah, yeah. He sits on that dude. And uh, just, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty. And then it cuts to where Gary is sitting at a table with Lisa and talking to just this table full of people, man. You can tell these are all regulars at the bar. It reminded me of Eddie Murphy a little bit. You know when Eddie Murphy's yeah. in uh, Beverly Hills Cop and he's talking to right. that guy? He's going, hey, man, what's going on? Jerome, I've seen you for ages. Like, yeah. it's like, he's got the same sort of impression going on. Well, it starts off with him just trying to, to break the ice, but he's still just being himself. And he's talking to these people that are definitely, you know, late 20s, early 30s. And the conversation kind of goes like this. You know, listening to this blues music reminds me of my own troubles and tribulations as a young guy. And, uh, you know, my folks, they really, really dump on me. They really do. <laughs> so you guys get along with your parents? You guys get along with your parents. <laughs> I guess you guys moved out by now, though, huh? This is where he gives uh, it the drink. What's this, sir? Drink it. <laughs> uh, well, that's a very sweet thought of both of you gentlemen, but I really don't need it. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you know they're they're forcing him to to start drinking to loosen up, and uh, and then and then we get this guy that asked Lisa this question. Lady, lady, tell me something. What's a beautiful bride like you doing with a malaka like this, huh? <laughs> it's purely sexual. No shit. <laughs> She's in the malacas, Dino. She's in the malacas, Dino. <laughs> She's in the malacas. Do you believe that? <laughs> that guy's laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've also got a bit of trivia with these people as well, Rick. Right. Um, two of the actors are from American Ninja. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the I think the barman plays the dad of Auntie Michael Hall from The Breakfast Club, who drops him off oh, to school. Oh, yeah. And the guy... With the cigar, mm-hmm. he's from Terminator. He's the guy in the truck when Arnie turns up. You know, he's in the truck and all the sort of again. You got all the lighting and he goes, "What the hell?" Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's him. So, I didn't know that. One. That's good. Yeah, again, all, all these people, wow. all in different movies from that time. But that's awesome. Yeah, but like I say, going back to uh, Gary and White, I think White's kind of going. What are we doing here? But I think Gary's kind of finding his own a bit here, yeah. isn't he? He's starting to get into this. No. Trying to fit in. And that, that cuts yeah. definitely to the later part. It says, later that night, the bar is almost empty, and you still got that same table full of people there, and they're all tore up. <laughs> and this is where Gary starts really loosening up. And uh, you couldn't do this in the movie now if you wanted to, but... <laughs> no, here's, no, that's right. Here's yeah. his conversation. Let me tell you my story, man. <laughs> Last year... <laughs> I was insane for this crazy little eighth grade bitch. Okay. Insane? Insane? I was nuts for the woman, man. Now you gotta believe me. I'm saying, I'm telling the truth here. I'm speaking to you. I mean, I was nuts for the girl. 
And what did to me was these big titties she had. For 13 years old, man. She would not have to worry about no titties for the rest of her life, boy. You know, she was set and she was looking good, son. That's the truth, baby. I called every night for like a month. I mean, I'm talking devotion, man. Every damn night? Every night, Mitch. I ain't playing with you. On the telephone? Boy talking about on the telephone, man. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Goddamn, we know there's a telephone, boy. What the hell they gonna do her? But he hung up on her. Oh, you didn't hang up on her. The chick with those big, big titties? Man, I hung up on the bitch. you know, now here's the camper. You know what the bitch did to me? Play it on. Check <laughs> this shit out. Listen to what she did to me. She need you in the nuts and called him faggot in front of everybody. No. She did what? Bitch, need your nuts? Bitch, need my nuts, bitch. I'm not playing with you. In the family jewel? In the family jewel, man. Worst oh, pain man. there is. Broke my heart in two. Broke more than your heart. Yeah, man, you don't like that, baby. You can forget that other one. You got this fine jewel sitting right over here by you. <laughs> I know it's a long clip, but you kind of have to have it because you can't. You just, oh yeah, you, you sort of wonder how many takes that took them to do that, didn't you? You know what I mean? It's like, there uh, we go again, right? Uh, <laughs> so at this point, they decide oh, to leave, and Wyatt's driving home, which he doesn't need to be driving home because he don't know how to drive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you got Lisa in the passenger seat, Gary's in the back seat, still tore up, and he's still in character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Lisa asked Wyatt, you know, what is he going to do? Is, is he going to tell Chet about her? And he said, I ain't going to say nothing. And uh, she's like, well, you need to come up with a better idea than that. And during all this conversation, like I said, Wyatt's driving is just not up to par. He runs through a red light and about hits 15 cars. I mean, it's a big chaotic car scene and Gary's being thrown all over the back seat <laughs> and he has a couple of choice lines here too the main one is this it's a club I hate it okay <laughs> well my nuts are halfway up my ass but other than that I'm perfect <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, oh man uh, I think that's why I put my notes confidence to go he's just he's just grown all confident all of a sudden yeah. oh dear oh, yeah. He's he's tore up, so he can say whatever, I guess. But yeah. and then we get to meet Chet. This is the first time you see Bill Paxton on the screen, and it's just Chet being Chet, and uh, with his military flat top top that he's got, absolutely smoking oh, a cigar, man. wearing yeah. a wife beater. I mean, he's he's just that guy. <laughs> and, he's just completely stealing the show here with this, isn't he? Yeah, and I'll just let him introduce himself. Here's the bottom line, Wyatt. I'm telling Mom and Dad everything. I'm even considering making up some shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chet, name your price. $175 and zero cents. Cash. New bills, crisp and clean. In my wallet. It's like very specific a. about the money. This <laughs> Thank you. Hey. What oh, are big dude. brothers for? See you upstairs. He absolutely nails it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, even bribing him for money to keep his mouth closed. So, uh, at this point, Wyatt goes back and, and gets Gary out of the car and starts taking him upstairs. And Chet's, <laughs> Chet's upstairs and he's trying to get Gary to throw up because he says if, he, if, if Gary throws up, then, you know, Wyatt's got to pay What's, even more, basically. 
Is this the one where he says, how about a nice yeah. greasy fry-up in a yeah. dirty ashtray, isn't yeah. it? That's how about it, a nice yeah. pulled pork sandwich served pulled in an ashtray? Yeah. Big ashtray. <laughs> is that the one? And then there's that way he walks around, he, he turns around and he sort of just knocks he, the door. He kicks the door open with it, yeah. Then he, then he goes and yeah. it's like, what the hell was that all about? Just full of it, man. I mean, he just, he oh, just oozes that person that you just absolutely hate so gary's uh gary's out of it man he's he's too tore up so he's in bed and then uh wyatt gets him a long time with lisa you know when you know watching this as a kid is one thing you're like all right because she's basically teaching him how to kiss and how to you know touch a girl and all that kind of stuff yeah it's kind of weird though when you watch it now because you're like you know she was probably (laughs) yeah you know 28 Uh, or so i don't know maybe not that old but I don't know. Uh, well, I think she's about, I don't know, is she about 23 years old, 24 years old in this thing? Somewhere about that. Well, that's, that's the age she's supposed to be character-wise, but I don't know how what age she's actually at this point. But, but again, you got that thing where our actors are not as young as they're playing either. I mean, they're actually mm. older than that, so... But it's just and apparently um, the Wyatt, the actor, got a little bit um, serious with her as well, didn't he? Apparently, he was kissing her. He was like, probably giving her a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help yourself. Kiss you really. Right. <laughs> I just think if it was if these roles were switched, you know, it'd be a bigger controversy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, without a shadow. Yeah. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. But as guys, we go, go for it! <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you see teachers getting arrested for this stuff every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, anyways, who knows what all really happens here? We don't know. We just see them kind of, you know, kissing and stuff. Next morning, the guys wake up, and they look at each other. And, you know, they're pretty much convinced that maybe the whole night before, the whole day was just a dream. Maybe none of this really happened. They're pretty much convinced of it. And then uh, Wyatt gets up out of bed, and he's, he's wearing Lisa's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think they really even see that till a little later on. I think I think Gary sees it when he walks by. And then uh, while he's going to the bathroom, then you hear Lisa downstairs. She's cooking breakfast. And she yells yeah. for them to come down and eat breakfast. And uh, Wyatt comes downstairs and talks to her about getting the money to pay off Chet. You know, well, if I do this, then, you know, and she's like, you can't be, you know, scared of him your whole life. And while she's having this conversation, she's leaving the room, and Chet's walking in, and they never see each other. So it's almost like, <laughs> you know, she's not really there or whatever. That's when Chet sees, uh, again, Chet's just being Chet, sees what uh, Wyatt's eating for breakfast, and we kind of get this line, which is pretty good. Hey, that looks pretty good. Okay. Now make yourself one, dickweed. <laughs> <laughs> His laugh. Oh, man. Just froze the egg up. Boom. Yeah. Like your panties. <laughs> does a double size. It's a joke, Chet. You know, it's all. That's not a joke. That is a severe behavioral disorder. Those are women's underpants. I mean, the next thing you know, you're wearing a bra on your head. Oh. The old man's going to have a stroke on this one for sure. All right, Chet. How much? How much? Oh. This goes way beyond payment, pal. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, it's that same thing of, you know, okay, what do I owe you? What's going to keep your mouth shut? That's the only way he knows how to work with him. And and Chet manipulates him for that, you know. 
That's not a joke. That's not a joke. (laughs) 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 Then he takes his towel off the mid. Goes, oh, right here, kill. For God's sake, cover yourself. Uh, oh, dear. So that's not what you said earlier, though. He is sort of borderline Hudson, isn't he? Do yeah. you know what I mean? There is that Hudson character there amongst all that. Right. Game over, man. <laughs> <laughs> Stop right. your grinning and drop your linen. That's right. No. So uh, we jump from this scene to uh, we're at the mall. You know, the the hangout in the 80s. You hung out anywhere. It was the mall. And um, they're at a, at a perfume counter. They don't know how to handle this stuff. They're spilling it. <laughs> They're not doing a good job with it. And the woman behind the counter is... Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's Jill Whitlow. That's the working behind the counter. You know what movie Jill she's Whitlow. in? No, what's that? When I say it, you'll be like, oh! She's yeah. the girl in Night of the Creeps. Oh, she? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, now you mentioned it, I sort of feel like I recognized her from somewhere. Yep. But, oh, okay. She knows these guys from school, right? So, so is she the um, is she Jason Lively's yeah. sort of love interest in that? In yeah, the night yeah. The she's the main she's girl, the yeah. girl that carries girl, the, yeah. the flamethrower there at the end. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. But she knows these guys from school, and they're like, uh, yeah, we need uh, the finest bottle for, of this for you know our girl. And they're like, she's a like, girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, she's like, uh, didn't you guys get beat up the other day at school? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like trying to play it off, like, no, nah, no, nah, yeah. big deal. But uh, so they do this thing where they're like, uh, and uh, give us give us three of those, one one for yourself, you know. So they're trying to be all, you know, big talkers, big spenders here or whatever. Well, that's going on, you got Lisa in the lingerie store, and she's trying to buy the, the underwear, you know, and she asked the, the old lady at the counter, like, if you were a 15-year-old boy, would this turn you on? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that goes over well. <laughs> um, and then we kind of see, again, this is the 80s, this is where everybody hung out, everybody went to the mall, but we get to see Ian and Max again, and they're hanging out with their girlfriends. Who happened to be some of them that were during the very beginning in the gymnastic class, and uh, the ones that uh, Gary and White pointed out as one day those girls they'll be with us that kind of thing. But they're all up there. They're hanging up on the balcony on the second the second floor of the, of the mall, and they see Gary and Wyatt come and sit down like in a rest area there in the mall. And uh, this is where we get the infamous icy scene where they just drop a whole icy on their heads and just spills everywhere and yeah really really kind of embarrasses them and first time in my life i don't feel like a complete dick in it. <laughs> and it just smashes them right yeah and i have to say these two guys together ian and max they're fantastic together even though you're not supposed to like them some of the things they do in this, I actually used to do because <laughs> I saw it in this movie. <laughs> when the girls get upset at them, and, and they're he's like, sort of like, "Yeah, he's doing all the gestures." Isn't exactly. He, yeah. yeah, we used to. And do what, is that. Go, what is going on with his shorts? <laughs> right, Robert Downey Jr.'s shorts, man. What's going on there? Right. <laughs> but that that gesture they did to the girls when they weren't looking is exactly what me and my buddies used to do. Right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but they're asking for forgiveness, and the girls forgive them because they're so cute or whatever. So they get on the escalator, and they're coming down. And on the way down, 
you start hearing Van Halen playing Pretty Woman, and all of a sudden you see... Yeah, I was going to say, that was Van Halen, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Doing that. Yeah, okay. And you see Lisa coming up the other side, and they, the two, two guys, they just stop and stare at her, and she looks back at them, kind of gives them a, a sexy look or whatever. And they just abandon the girlfriends, jump over That's the it. escalator. Forget about Demi Hilly. Right, we're going for her. That's yeah. it. Boom. And I have to say, man, this outfit she's wearing... Mm. <laughs> okay, I don't have to say it. RJ said it. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, yeah. I think Gary Hill said it on the last episode, didn't he? Yeah. I just hear him now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this denim My jacket. balls are dropped. <laughs> with this little bitty piece of a T-shirt that's left. Oh, I man. don't even know how to describe it. But, uh, oh. yeah. She is incredibly hot in this movie, man. I yeah. just thought. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the whole point. She's supposed to be. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but they follow her up upstairs, and she's going outside, uh, and she's waiting outside. And they go out, and they're talking to her like, "Hey, uh, my name's Max, and uh, my name's Ian." She's like, not impressed at all, and it gets really awkward for them because they're like, uh, "So what are you doing?" All this kind of stuff. She's like, "I'm waiting for my ride," and all of a sudden, <laughs> you hear this car crank up, and it's coming. And you hear people screaming. And people are just running everywhere, and it's it's Gary driving a Porsche, <laughs> and he don't know how to drive, and people are just running like crazy, and he pulls up and oh, even runs yeah. up on the on the the sidewalk where she's standing. <laughs> He's like, "Lisa, babe, come on, we gotta go," and she gets uh, in the car with them, and they are just shocked. I see this as their first sore hit against everything that they've tried to do isn't it almost like we've gone yeah we've done it do you know what i mean it's right. like we've we've got the girl we've turned up in the car and we've shown those dudes who's boss i remember watching this when i was 15 going yeah i totally want to do that do you know what i mean right. yeah and again <laughs> oh, that's man. that's every guy's you know dream it is, yeah, it is every guy's dream in that age guy yeah to be able to, to show up the, to yeah to show up the, the 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 popular kids and say yeah yeah look at this right and while that's going on, <laughs> Lisa gets in the car, and Gary starts licking her jacket. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's doing there with that. Yeah. <laughs> and while he's doing that, she's Lisa's telling uh, Ian and Max about there's going to be a big party at Wyatt's house, so spread the word. And then it cuts back to Wyatt's house, and Lisa's getting the house ready, and she's basically just walking through and pointing. And just lights are turning on. It's almost like I dream a genie. She's got these abilities just to make things happen. <laughs> changes clothes by just walking around a corner. Completely changes clothes and hairstyles, the whole thing. And, uh, you know, she's telling Wyatt, you're going to have to loosen up. I mean, this is going to be a big deal for you to have this party. I'm, I'm setting all this up for you. But she's she's going to go pick up Gary and bring him back to Wyatt's house. She's, <laughs> she says, I can't wait to meet his parents. <laughs> <laughs> and this could be... My favorite scene in the whole movie is when she meets Gary's parents. And this is a long clip, but this is fantastic. Uh, let's see, it goes oh, like this. My dad's a plumber, and, he, and he, uh, he's into plumbing, and, and, he, and he, well, I guess you plumb, right, Dad? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, uh, I, th- I think it's time to go. You ready? Where do you think you're going? To a movie? Party. <laughs> movie party, that's what it is, folks. We're going to a movie party. It's such a little liar. No, I've whipped up this nasty little soiree over at his friend Wyatt's house. <laughs> what? Soiree, honey. I think that means um, party. Party. You know, there's going to be sex, drugs, rock and roll, chips, dips, chains, whips. You know, your basic <laughs> high school orgy type of thing. 
I mean, uh, I'm not talking candle wax on the nipples or witchcraft or anything like that. No, 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 no. Just a couple of hundred kids running around in their underwear, acting like complete animals. All right, God damn it! I've heard enough! Gary, you get to your room! Yes! No, it's okay. Just sit here. I'll take care of this. Curly, you get the hell out of here before I throw you out. Don't fret me, Al! You're out of shape. I'll kick your ass. I'm going to make this real easy for you. I'm taking Gary to a party. Over my dead body. He's a good kid. He studies hard. You've got no complaints. If anybody should be bitching, it should be Gary. You ever compliment him on his grades? You ever compliment him on anything? Hey! Hey! Look, Ma! Compliments embarrassment! You know... Dad, you know! <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> you ever wondered how sad it is that your son's only sexual outlet <laughs> is tossing off to magazines in the bathroom? Oh, oh man. Gary! Oh, my. I never <laughs> talked to you about that. You called me. You were coming. Your hair. <laughs> I was. I was. Mom, Gary, Mom. shut up. I never got the water's running all day Look, long. Look, I never shut up. This guy. Look, I don't know who you are, what you are, where you came from, but I'm not taking any more of this. Dial the police, Lucy. Dial the damn police and give me the phone. Oh, uh, I'm gonna get the what the? What, give me the phone. I'm trying to. Well, here it is. Oh my God. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Make your day. Oh, right there at the end, you get the oh, beginning man. of uh, "Wanted Man" by Rat. So another another music cue there. So tapping into the, the oh, metal well, scene of the time. Yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, even oh, man, there, there you just go. Be the most embarrassing thing for you, can it, man? You know, I mean, <laughs> but you even get a Dirty Harry reference in here. You know, so I mean, that's it's yeah, totally that's right, tying yeah, into the it. times. You know. Another Easter egg from that time. I just I love that oh, scene, yeah, man, because it's just scene. utter yeah. chaos. Because the parents are trying to control it, and because uh, she pulls that gun out, and you know you find out later on it was just a squirt gun. It just it looked very realistic. Yeah. But uh, so, but then she also fixes and it. Like, where, that gun comes back in, like yeah, oh yeah, and uh, but she yeah, fixes it, it where Gary's parents way. don't remember anything. So you know that's kind of the trick, and I love that they keep kind of flashing back to them. They're like. Well, I hope Gary is having fun. Dad's like, who's Gary? Who's Gary? <laughs> you know our son. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just completely wipes his mind. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, and then, uh, then you nah, get to we're, we're at Wyatt's house and hear a knock at the door. And they open the door, and it looks like the whole neighborhood is just full of people waiting to come through that door. <laughs> this is going to massive the, the the party of parties. <laughs> it's the biggest party in the world, isn't it? Everybody Pretty much. Turns up. Oh. And again, but like I say, they don't, they don't know what to do. They're like oh. they're sort of going, "What do we do?" And they're like just retreat into the bathroom. Yeah, they go hide in the bathroom. Oh. I mean, they're they again, they're uncomfortable because they're not social so they spend their time hanging out in this bathroom that's in their house 
<laughs> and then later on, uh, Max, is, Max and Ian's girlfriends are, are going through the house. And uh, they see Lisa, and they kind of compliment on, man, you know, how she looks and how she's just incredible, all that kind of stuff. And uh, also, Max and Ian are there. And... <laughs> They walk up to the bar to order something to drink, and I had to throw this in there just because it cracks me up every time. But uh, they go to order some drinks, and it kind of goes like this. You kind of get the guy that was at the candy bar that was that made uh, Gary take a drink earlier. He's the guy that's running the bar here, and he don't oh, take yeah, it's the same guy, isn't it? he don't take any crap. And I love this, brother. What's happening, my main man? Right on, <laughs> Scotch. Straight up. Yeah, give me the whole bottle. Tell you what, you bend over, and I'll shove it straight up your ass. <laughs> On the rocks, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> On the rocks, is fine. Oh, pretty... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shove it straight up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. <laughs> And while they're at the bar, oh, then uh, the girlfriends are walking around they, and to find the bathroom. And when they find the bathroom, uh, Gary and, and uh, Wyatt's hiding out in there. And <laughs> Gary just uh, dropped a bomb in there. Stems the room out, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. So you it's see him peek his head out and sees the girls, and he shuts the door, and you hear him yelling inside, roll out a match or something, start a fire. <laughs> you know. So they end up opening the door, and the girls want to come in the bathroom. And of course, they're asking whose party is this? What house is he? So, you know, why? So, well, this is my house. We do this all the time. So they're kind of, you know, winning over the girls here. The girls are kind of impressed that these guys are that popular and didn't know it, even though it's all a sham. So they come into the bathroom. They start having some good conversations. They're starting to win over the girls. You know, some good conversations going on, and they talk about Lisa, and they're like, "Oh yeah, she's she's with us. You know, she pretty much does whatever we ask her to." And that kind of makes the girls kind of go. Hmm. What do you? How'd you wear that one? Yeah. What do you do with that? You know. Yeah. And so you know, they're just talking about how, you know, perfect she is and that stuff. But you know, they keep making the reference of yeah, we we have these parties all the time. We get confused, even though they're again just BSing. But the girls uh, say they want to use the mirror and check their face. So while that's going on, instead of the guys leaving, they get in the shower stall. <laughs> <laughs> And when they're in the shower stall, we get this... I don't know if you're familiar with the old TV show called Dragnet. They kind of do a little spoof off of Dragnet on here. I remember the film. I can't remember the uh, TV show. I remember the film with Dan Aykroyd. Well, the the, the film is really not a whole lot like the TV show, I can tell you that. Oh, is it not? Oh, okay, yeah. No, the TV show was pretty serious. And the dialogue they have when it just shows their mouths and they're talking real fast and real monotone to each other, that's uh, all. Oh, yeah, I know the bit you're talking about. Yeah, now. yeah that's, that's all yeah, Dragnet. Okay. Yeah, but they're deciding mm-hmm. that they need to try to make a move on these girls. And what about Lisa? Will Lisa get upset? And they're like, eh, who mm-hmm. cares? We, you know, this is what we got to go for. So after they have all that conversation and then they decide to come out of the stall, <laughs> they've been replaced by some duplicates. <laughs> The, the girls that are in there now are not the same oh, girls yeah, they were talking right, yeah. to. <laughs> I forgot about that scene. Yeah, it's almost like a sort of like Tweedledee, Tweedledum. <laughs> right. Type characters that turn up. Yeah, I've totally forgot about that scene when um, yeah. I revisited this movie. Oh, so. <laughs> and it just sort of cuts from that, doesn't it? Just go, they go, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and then it goes from there oh. and it shows Wyatt's grandparents and they're eating dinner somewhere. 
And mm. they're talking. They're like, they decided, hey, we want to stop by and visit Wyatt. You know, he's home by himself. The parent, his parents are gone. So let's just stop by and see our grandson. Grandparent, uh, grandchildren love when their grandparents just come visit, right? So that's the mentality of what's coming up. And while that's going on, you got Ian and Max have tried to make their move on Lisa. And she's basically telling them that, hey, you know, I, I'm with, I'm with uh, Gary and, and Wyatt. I mean, I do whatever they say. That's who I belong to. So we get a conversation where Ian and, and Max are getting together and talking to Gary and Wyatt and wanting them, wanting Gary, I'm, I'm getting confused here. They want them to give them permission to be with Lisa because they know they have to go through them. And they're like, nah, I don't think it's a good idea. But they ended up telling them the big secret, what had happened here, how this all came about. So they actually agreed to start making another girl for these guys so they could have their own Lisa. And uh, so you kind of get this whole thing going on. This is while the party's going on now, which is what makes this <laughs> makes this thing work so well. So you get the same scenario where they're, you know, doing boob size and all that stuff again, <laughs> the pictures and adding all the pictures in. And they go through the whole same routine. They all got bras on their heads. They're doing all the stuff. And while Lisa's having her picture made with a group of guys that earlier in the movie when she walked by in that outfit in the mall, they were all staring at her. And so now she's at this party and they're all there and they want to get a picture made with her and while they're having the picture made, she gets up and walks out because she knows something's not right. She steps outside and sees the store come in, and she knows exactly what's going on. And uh, same deal. You're, you're going through the military computer again, getting all that information. And <laughs> when when Wyatt hits enter on the computer, everything starts going crazy, man. You get the rotating room. This is... <laughs> it's, it's 80s magic. It's 80s magic. I love this bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> and you get the dude oh, trapped dude. in the TV, you know, and like so he's like yeah. now he's in the TV shows, which you know Wes Craven made a whole movie about that with uh, with Shocker, you know. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought there was a like a reference there, and then you've got the is it like people dancing in the um, in the picture frames, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The like, pictures start coming alive, and they're all dancing in the picture frames. I think it might be his mum and dad might actually yeah. dance. And then you got uh, the, the, again the rotating room where the ceiling's now the floor and people are spinning. the The kitchen is all completely blue, you know. The, so everything in there, if you even yeah. if you're wearing clothes in there, your clothes turn blue. Just crazy. It's very much like you said, a little bit like uh, Freddy Krueger, was it? Dream Warriors type, right? Sort of time, isn't it? Just the, you know. Nothing making any sense. Just crazy stuff going on. No. And everything. And then there's just the bit with the girl with the um, piano. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you got everything starting yeah. to get sucked. She's playing the piano. She's like... It's getting sucked in the chimney and thrown out in the front yard. So it's like a big, <laughs> big catapult now. And like all yeah. the books, all the shelves, they all go up the chimney and fly out in the yard. The sofa starts going. This girl's playing a big grand piano. The grand piano gets sucked in and thrown out, and she's she's hanging onto a windowsill. And of course, you know this is the '80s, so we're gonna, have her, gonna have her clothes fly off. You know, you gotta have that happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. And then eventually, there's a bit of trivia on her as well, Rick. Oh, really? She's um she's one she's one of the Playboy um, models that they put into the. Um, Computer at the beginning, so that's like a little cameo. I could tell. <laughs> yeah, it, 
it's, def- it's definitely a pause moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she wasn't <laughs> lacking. <laughs> no, she but I just love the fact that it had to pull all of her clothes yeah. off and then suck her up through the chimney and throw her out in the yard. You that's know. right, yeah, that's it. Yeah, do that first and then take her up, yeah. It had to happen in that order. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then the storm stops and they think that worked and, and they look through the door again just like before. And when mm. they look, it's just Lisa standing there. And she's very disappointed in them. And she says, the problem is, guys, is you left out one detail. And they didn't hook up the doll. They forgot to hook up the doll. So the things that connected to the doll earlier are laying on top of a Time magazine. And it happens to be a big nuclear missile. Mm. And it's touching both the top and the bottom of that, mi- of that missile in the picture. And all of a sudden, just a huge nuclear missile just comes up through the bottom of the house, up through the roof. And it's just like in the middle of the house. <laughs> Only in the 80s, folks. Man, this is just like, it's just 80s magic, isn't it? And then you've got, the, you've got a bit of music. I mean, you've got the music from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Right. It sort of comes through the roof or something like that. <laughs> du, du, du. Like, uh, boom. And at that point, you get the grandparents pulling up in the front yard. And... Uh, the grandparents come in the house and start trying to kick everybody out. And Lisa confronts them. <laughs> and she and she basically freezes them. I mean, just like freezes them in place and takes them and sticks them in the, like in a cabinet in, in, in the kitchen, like in a closet. Yeah, broom cupboard or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and they're just stuck with these, <laughs> these smiles on their face. <laughs> And uh, she puts him in there just to keep him safe, you know. And uh, she has a little conversation with him. She she brings Wyatt and, and uh, Gary in there to show her that they're there. You know, they're like, oh, man, this is not good, not good at all. And then uh, Lisa has this little bit of comment, she says, kind of setting up the next stage of the show. Those guys really need some self-confidence. A challenge. Something that'll bring out their inner strength and courage. I'm so bloody clever. So she comes up with this idea. The windows bust open and sees apocalyptic bikers, man. <laughs> mm. This is great. This is probably one of my favorite bits of the movie, this, when this happens. I would have never with, thought uh, that. Like, oh, man. We've, uh, like we mentioned earlier, Brandon Wells and Michael Berryman turning up. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But yeah, you got these <laughs> these apocalyptic bikers. They look like they're straight out of the Road Warriors on these motorcycles mm. coming through, riding up and down the stairs, just crashing the party, you know, scaring people to death. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it just tops this scene off, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. And Lisa's then, basically saying, you guys need to step up now. Exactly. You know, Lisa goes, finds Gary White and said, look, you got to yeah. confront these guys. Don't let them control this thing. And they go hide in a closet. And then... Uh, the big guy that uh, you, you this is where you get uh, Vernon Wells coming in as his character. He's got this little sawed-off shotgun that he carries around, very intimidating looking. But while this is going on, you got the dude that's got the half metal face that's driving one of the bikes. He just busts through a wall and grabs Gary and Wyatt. They're hiding in a closet, and he just you know like he knows exactly where they are. Busts through the wall and just grabs them and pulls them out. Then Vernon Wells starts heckling them, and it's all just. You know, stuff like, you've never even been with a girl. <laughs> he shows them up in front of everybody, doesn't he? Right. So trying to make them look bad. The the bad guys decide to grab the two girlfriends that they're interested in and hold them captive. 
And that's when Wyatt and Gary stand their ground. And Gary pretty much tells them, you're going to get on your bikes. You're going to get out of here and leave. And he pulls out that, that gun. You know, yeah. when uh, Lisa was confronting Gary's dad, he pulls out that gun, puts it right at Vernon Wells' face and says, get your stuff, get out of here right now. And they all back off. So they go from being super, super bad guys to, so sorry, uh, Hope we didn't hurt anybody. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And like you said, Michael Berryman says so. Michael Berryman saying, I still want to be a school teacher. <laughs> no, I, don't I don't think I've ever heard him speak before, actually. Uh, so when they leave, then, oh, then Gary dude. White are all excited because they got through this. And Gary's talking, and he's just waving the gun around everywhere. And everybody keeps ducking because he, he's just waving it in front of everybody. They're like, man, stop mm. waving the gun. He's like, oh, it's no big deal. It's still just a squirt gun. And he goes to shoot it, and it's a real gun. You know, he's, he's thinking it's fake the whole time and ends up being a real gun. Shoots the chandelier down. So some more property damage. But like, so they, they step up, don't they? And everybody buys into it, don't they? Right. These guys of Gary and White kind of saved the day, haven't they? Just right. Got the, I think they got the girls at this point, yeah. haven't they? This whole thing comes down to when, when they were making the, the other girl for uh, Ian and Max earlier. When she comes out and she's disappointed, she says, you know, you shouldn't want people to like you because you can do stuff for them. They should like you because of who you are, which is really the message <laughs> of what this whole movie is. Yeah, so what? Yeah. You're, you're awkward. Yeah. So what that you don't fit in? You know, you your real real people are going to like you for who you are instead of being fake. So that kind of leads into what happens here. Even though they ran off the bad guys, uh, Gary and Wyatt ends up hooking up with the the two girls. You know, they get the moments alone with them and they get to actually talk and and find out they really do like each other and all that kind of stuff. So you know, the other guys they liked, but they were not serious about anything so uh next morning out of nowhere chet shows up this is early you know about seven o'clock in the morning he's pulling up he sees all the damage outside goes in the house house is destroyed he he goes upstairs he gets his hunting rifle and goes to check on his own bedroom he's like man if anything's happened to my bedroom i'm gonna kill him and he opens the door and it's snowing in his bedroom <laughs> Now, this is not wintertime. Yeah, that's what I could ever see. <laughs> so this house is in just total shambles, man, at this point. And uh, so he goes and he kicks open Wyatt's door to his bedroom. and goes in and he sees the missile <laughs> that's up through the floor. He sees Gary over in the bed with his new girlfriend, which is the bl- the blonde girl. He puts the, the, the gun to his head and tells him that, you know, he that's better, right. better not move. And he's wanting to know where, where Wyatt is. And he keeps whacking them in the head with the barrel of the gun when they try to talk. <laughs> it's a proper psychopath in this. Yeah. Oh, man. So he finally tells him, I don't know where he is. So he tells them to stay there, and he's going to go find him. So he goes in this other bedroom, knocks the door open, and Wyatt's in there with the other girl. Check Takes them all down to the kitchen where Lisa is. Lisa's down there. And uh, Chet's talking to him about how they just destroyed this place, and boy, you're gonna get it when they get home. And he goes and opens the <laughs> that that door that his grandparents is to get something. He goes, "Hi, Grandma. Hi, Grandpa." And he shuts it and goes back to talking. He does a like a double take. Who? Oh? <laughs> Was that my grandparents in there? <laughs> yep. And then at this point, the only thing Chet knows to do, because he just totally lost all of his sense, is just give the, give Wyatt a wedgie. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That, that, that is the wedgie of wedges, isn't it? He literally pulls his pants up through his ass. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls it up through his <laughs> uh, At this point, Lisa tells the oh, guys, dear. hey, he said, why don't you take the girls home? 
because I know it's early in the morning, but I want to be alone. She wants to have a one-on-one with Chet talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, the guys take off. They both have individual cars now. One's got a Porsche. One's got a Ferrari. How lucky that is, right? You have to, you know, if you've got these kind of cars, you got to have a car chase, right? Yeah, you, you can sort of see Anthony Michael Hall's stunt double with this. <laughs> <laughs> you can sort of just see it as he's driving down the road at 100 right. miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, he's driving by, and she's like, how fast are you going? He said, I don't know, 30, 35? And it's like... <laughs> 100 miles an hour. Yeah, and the cops clock him going by, so they start after him. And they're chasing him up down these streets, and you get a little, you know, cat and mouse kind of thing going on. Mm. And then they race towards a railroad crossing, and they cross right in time before a train comes through, and that kind of stops the cops, and they're just off on their own. So, and that's when uh, when Gary's driving a girl home, he passes a car that's coming the other direction, and it's Gary's parents. <laughs> and his mom goes, "Look, I think that was Gary." And he's like, "The dad's still like, who's this Gary you keep talking about?" <laughs> keep throwing those things in there man so much fun mm. and then so you know gary and white both drop off their girlfriends and they have their moments with the girls where you know this could be it for them they finally found the relationships they've been looking for and it's setting life straight right and uh you get uh, back at the house you got lisa <laughs> lisa talking to chet and she changed him seriously <laughs> Almost like uh, Pizza the Hut out of Spaceballs uh-huh. or something, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's like a sort of, um, yeah, what, what she turned him into? I was trying to work it out. It's just like, like a, a turd big, or something. Like a big turd. Yeah, big turd, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, I mean, if anybody is familiar with this movie, everybody remembers what Chet looks like at this point. So if you have it, uh, just look it up because, uh, you know, it's, cheesy 80s animatronic looking you know puppeteering kind of a thing going on here but uh it's pretty disgusting look it's still got his flat yeah. top haircut on top and uh he's got it going oh no and then there's a fly going yeah. around he's going huh huh <laughs> <laughs> he goes oh my god what's happened to me he sticks his tongue out and catches oh my god that was disgusting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got his just desserts. Yeah. Oh, man. So, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and at this point, Chet's starting to, to, to apologize for everything. And, you know, mm. he, I'm sorry, I won't say a thing, all that stuff. And while this is going on, uh, Gary and Wyatt mm. are saying their final goodbyes to Lisa. Because they know, you know what, we appreciate everything you did for us, but, you know, you, you've done your job. We don't really need you anymore. You're free to go. Yeah. All right. And uh, at this point, when Lisa's leaving, everything starts reversing. All the damage to the house, all that stuff is getting put back normal. Right at the time the parents are showing up. So, you know, everything finishes up just in times when the parents walk in. There's no damage. The guys come running down the stairs. And the parents are like, uh, we were afraid that uh, you guys would try to have a party or something. We're like, oh, no, no way. Not us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that's where it reminds me of um, Adventures in Babysitting, because same sort of ending where right. Elizabeth Sue just literally just jumps over the sofa and goes, Doom, as soon as the parents come back in. Right. Right. Same sort of thing. Like nothing ever happened. No, that's it. No, no, we haven't done much all this weekend. Ferris Bueller, same way. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's right. Remember yeah. in case he goes back yeah, and jumps right. into bed? Like he's been sick and home and in bed the whole time. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. 
So, mm. but yeah, and then we cut away from this. So the guys get away scot free. They got the new girlfriends, and then it cuts to a bunch of new nerdy PE guys. They're having PE class, and they meet the new teacher. It happens to be Lisa. And you can see the look on the guys' faces <laughs> when they see her, and that's kind of how the Just movie the ends. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Did you get the? Um, was it like the Rocky Free um, soundtrack? Come on at the end. Yeah. The, yeah. the Rocky music, wasn't yeah. it? Do, 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 yeah. That was it. Do, 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 that was it. Yeah. That yeah. was it. Yeah. And the movie just kind of cuts off right there, and and uh, that's that's it for this '80s piece of mastery. Yeah, right and then you got the uh, Oingo Boingo music that comes in at the end, don't you? On the last yep. bits. So. And yeah. there you go, weird science, man. Absolutely, man. I, I just I love it. It, it. it, you know, it's it's a nice time capsule, but to me, it doesn't get old. It still holds up. I still think anybody could find this entertaining. You know, the computer aged thing may be a little a little outdated for sure, but as far as the concept of what's going on. Well, you got to remember there was a there was a TV series of this that came out later. Yeah, come out. Yeah, so with Vanessa uh, Angel, wasn't it in yeah. the nineties? I think wasn't it? Yeah. So, Did all right as well. Yeah. I didn't. I can't. If I'm honest with you, I can't remember watching it. Uh, only doing the uh, for this show, doing the prep for this show, did yeah. I realise that there was actually. a... TV show. Yeah, I remember um, trying to watch it, but you know it's so hard because you grew up with with you know Anthony Michael Hall and the other guy yeah. playing these characters. It's really hard to have somebody else play those roles. You know, it's that same problem we always talk about. That's what we said before, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it obviously it did well because it did. Um, yeah. It got five five seasons. Yeah. So it kind of done too bad. But, um, and yeah, I'm like you said before. Surprised they haven't tried to do it again, actually, because I think this is something that it doesn't grow old. This is still the mentality of 14, 15-year-old guys that are just trying yeah. to become guys. Still trying to find themselves. And I think even in today's technology, you're still going to have that at yeah. school. Absolutely. So um, when I mention this film... Um, I was telling people that I was doing our new show, and I mentioned Weird Science. Everybody, everybody knows about this film. Sure. Weird Science. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's one movie. They always go, yeah, it's with uh, Kelly LeBrock, isn't it? <laughs> oh, um, and I go, yep. Yeah. Uh, but it's almost like this film finds its audience, not only in the 80s or 90s or the noughties, it's still finding its audience even now. Sure. So that's a, that's a testament to this um That's John Hughes, man. I mean, absolutely. These movies that he made speak. You know, like I said, we finally had a set of movies that talked about being a teen and and what you go through, and 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 these are still that blueprint that even if we make teen movies now, they're still referring back to these. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the story um, never changes. You know. Yeah, I think blueprints a good way to say it, isn't it? It's. I know we keep bringing it up, but just like, like I mentioned with Die Hard, that film is a oh, yeah. is a blueprint, isn't it? For yeah. you still see Die Hard today, don't you? You know, Absolutely. like with films like White House Down. Yeah, it's a Die Hard film. Absolutely. And uh, Weird Science, it's still going to be there, isn't it? In yep. you know TV shows or movies today. Yeah, great film. Great yep. film. Love, Love it. it. <laughs> yep. Same here, man. Let's see what else? So, we? about some alternate. 80s on this one. Who else oh. would you say could play these roles? Well, you know, the the thing is, you're talking about the Brat Pack here, so you can almost mm. interchange, 
you know, any of them. But what's weird is, you know, uh, Anthony Michael Hall. I, I don't, I don't know who you replace him with that that can act the way that he does. That's the hard part. Hmm. No, um, yeah, because he was he just, he just come off the back of um, uh, the vacation movie, didn't he? Natural right. Lampoon's Vacation. That and Sixteen Candles. Uh, 16, Sixteen Candles. And did he do The Breakfast Club the same year? I was toying on this idea. I was thinking of the uh, Corey Feldman and Corey Hain. Wow, that's an idea. That would, you know just, what? That would definitely work. Yeah, I I know they're you know you see them in the Lost Boys and they are you know you obviously you it's know you've same got, same type of characters though. Yeah, and I think you could probably you could you you even though Corey Haim is like the cool kid in the Lost Boys and Corey Feldman's like, like the sort of Stalanka, I think you could mould these guys into those sort of geeky yeah. sort of White and Gary type characters for this film. Well, I, I don't know so. if you ever saw Licensed to Drive or not, but that's... Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it, yeah, that's it. So that's, a good, that's a good film to bring up. They, they've kind of done that, you know, so they, they can play that kind of character. For yeah, that is, a, that is the um, White and Gary movie, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say them too. That that's dead on, man. That works. So yeah, no, that's it. But no. Yeah, there's no there's no uh, duplicate. There's no there's nobody else to do the Kelly LeBrock part, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, the only other person I could probably think of at that time would probably be sort of Michelle Pfeiffer, somebody like that. Yeah, maybe. Possibly, but. Uh, no, let's just let's just leave it, Kelly Block. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm just picking names now. <laughs> I'm messing about the '80s universe. Absolutely. But the other so, it's all about '80s universe. Um, I can't remember who mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but John Hughes does. There is a tie. They do say that there is a tie over with his films. So you've got like Shermer High School. Mm-hmm is in this film and it's also in the breakfast club right so there is kind of like this whole sort of idea that all what happens in these movies is all happening at the same time yeah they try to make it all in the same universe which i think is kind of cool yeah so there's that idea kind of like the stephen king thing right where they're all supposedly in the same area oh yeah that's right what is it um what's the name of the town that he uses all the time castle rock yeah yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. And that's another movie, isn't it? Um, Stand by Me that probably came out about this time, wasn't yep. it? With um, Corey not, Feldman, not the same sort of movie. Yeah, that's it, Corey <laughs> Feldman. <yeah. laughs> that's it for us. Hey, if you love this movie, or if you don't love this movie, and you got reasons why, jump on the Facebook page, jump on the Instagram, jump on Twitter. Let us know. Uh, if you have requests for other shows you want us to cover, other movies. Or any topics. I mean, we would even do possibly even TV series. I know we talked about kicking V around eventually. Yeah, um, I think we got quite a bit of buzz on the Facebook page with V, didn't we? A yeah. lot of people showed quite a bit of interest. But uh, um, um, yeah, if there's something particular that that you want us to cover, send it out to us, and and we'll we'll look it over and and see when we can squeeze it in. I was going to say also um, thank you to everybody's. Um, Putting stuff on the Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, that's where we're most active, and it's it's buzzing at the moment, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. Lots of people putting lots of stuff on there, and uh, it's, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the GIF, uh, the GIF day was a lot of fun. People were putting on oh, their yeah, yeah, 80s that, that, GIFs yeah, on there. That, that really took or, or GIFs, off, whichever way you're supposed to say it. GIFs <laughs> or GIFs. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, what, what are you thinking? What do we got coming up next episode, RJ? 
Uh, well, we spoke about Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, the movie. Yeah. What do you reckon on that, Rick? Do you reckon we should cover that one? Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I think it's. I, I, I don't think I've heard. I don't think anybody's really covered it. I don't, that's it's that's one we all really grew up seeing about. time and time again, and I haven't heard many people even bring it up in conversation. So, yeah, I think that'll be a great one to do. Yeah, so we're, um, uh, we'll have a look at that one. I think that's definitely. I mean, well, you got Spielberg, John Landis, Joe Dante, Man. George Miller, all in one, yeah. doing one movie. I mean, how I, how this film doesn't really get talked about as much as it does is, but yeah. we'll go into that in the um, next episode. So. Absolutely. So if you're a yeah. fan of that, hey, you know, start start prepping on it. Check out the movie and stuff beforehand. That way you kind of know what we're talking about. Or if not, hopefully we can convince you to check it out. That's kind of the whole point of this is just to to take you back in that time period. But, yeah, we're having an absolute blast. RJ, it's been fun again, buddy. Yeah, I'm having a blast, Rick. All right. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I'm having a really good time. Awesome. Well, that's it for us, folks. We will talk to you later. Adios. See you later. enjoyed this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.